Thursday, June the 29th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Lots going on in the world of sports this week, but this will be mainly a horse racing and a wrestling episode of That's What G Said. We will dive into horse racing on Saturday from Woodbine, five graded stakes races. So Matt DeSantis joins us to talk about all five of those. We deep dive them. Then we get into Saturday Ellis Park. They move the Ellis Park races from Churchill over to Ellis. They have six stakes races on Saturday. Barry Spears joins me to talk about all of the stakes races for Saturday at Ellis. Then I'll go through the late pick five at Belmont on Saturday. We'll give you Saturday, Sunday, and Monday best bets for Louisiana Downs, and then we finish up with this week in wrestling with the Chad Cooper. We talk about Money in the Bank. We preview that show coming up this weekend on Saturday for WWE. We talk about NXT, Carmelo, Melo, Melo. We talk about AEW, Forbidden Door, Collision, Dynamite, Positives, Negatives, everything going on in the world of wrestling. And we have a lot of things to catch up on in the next few weeks, like Secret Invasion, two episodes in. We'll have uh, a couple recaps coming for you. I'm not sure if we're going to either have episodes one and two or one, two, and three all together. It'll either be next week or um, in one of the next two episodes of That's What G Said. We'll catch up on what's happening in the world of baseball. Then how about basketball? The draft just happened. We've already had a lot of movement. Beal to the Suns, CP3 to the Warriors, Poole to Washington, Porzingis to Boston, Smart to Memphis, John Collins to the Jazz. And then we have major questions about a lot of other players that could be moving. We don't know exactly what the timetable is for a lot of these players or where they're going to go. James Harden, he's asked out for a trade. We'll find out where's he going to go. Lilliard, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? What's up with Kyrie? Fred Van Vliet, someone who's a, a hot free agent. Draymond Green. Vucevic, looks like he's going to be headed back to the Bulls. What about Bruce Brown? He's someone who there have been a lot of rumors about recently. He could be a really nice role player for someone like the Lakers looking to use that mid-level exception. Seth Curry's a free agent. Dante DiVincenzo, Russell Westbrook. Do the Lakers bring back D'Angelo Russell? Where does Dylan Brooks go after the poor playoff run he had? His reputation took a little bit of a hit, but he's better than people are giving him credit for right now. Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, they had nice playoff runs. What happens with Middleton and Brooke Lopez? Then you have Jeremy Grant, Harrison Barnes, Hurdle. Kuzma could be getting a really big payday. For the Lakers, Austin Reeves and Rui, can they bring them back? Lots going on in the world of NBA. We will talk about all of it next week as it develops because right now it's going to start over the weekend and there will be players moving around. We're going to start to hear lots of rumors of deals being done and or conversations being had. NBA, it's that time of the year. Players moving all over the place. So we'll get some NBA coming up on the next episode. We'll talk more about Secret Invasion. We'll dive into baseball and we're actually going to start previewing the NFL divisions next week. We're going to start with the AFC East. So, we'll go week at a time, one division at a time. That way we can go through four different teams, talk about their over/unders, what their roster looks like, player movement changes, what to expect from them this year. NFL previews will start next week. Let's dive on into the horse racing portion of this episode. We'll kick things off first up with Saturday Woodbine with Matt DeSantis 
that'll be the first horse racing portion where we get into the five graded stakes races. Matt DeSantis joins me in just a minute. But first, let's hear from a couple of our sponsors. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version, and even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view, and any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Excited to talk some Woodbine racing with my good friend Matt DeSantis. You know Matt from Trust the Profits and from social media at Fail to Menace on Twitter. Does a fantastic job uh, with capping the cards, with the win play show, with all sorts of great analysis. He's been doing really good stuff with the Cinnaboya Downs recently. Now Matty's going to help me out 
with a really good card this weekend, Matt. I know you do so much work in Canada. I figured I had to have you help me out with the racing up at Woodbine. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I just stay up in the Great White North. We just exactly. go from you know Winnipeg. We make a little way over, but yeah, no, it's going to be great. And and you're right, just a wonderful card. Great stakes menu. Uh, I, I feel like just a very competitive races, full fields. It's uh, just couldn't ask for a better setup. Yeah, 11 races, five graded stakes races, $100,000 guaranteed early pick five. It is a massive day out there uh, at Woodbine. Any more information, any more details you need, you can go to woodbine.com. We are going to dive in to the daily racing form past performances. And it's actually a pretty cool time period right now if you're a fan of the DRF past performances and any of the DRF uh, tools and features, Matt. They have a big sale that started today, goes all the way through Tuesday, 4th of July sale. It's up to 50% off. And what's cool about the sales that they have and the products that they feature, you can purchase a bunch of them when they have a sale, and then you have those credits stacked up so you can use them later. So you save now, Mm -hmm. and then later when like Del Mar and Saratoga comes up, and you're probably playing races like every day in a lot of those tracks in the summer, and maybe you need the clocker reports. Right. Yeah. Uh, Because uh, the baby races, maybe you're someone who's watching this. You play Woodbine every day and you know you're going to play Woodbine every single day. Purchase one of these classic or formulator PP packages because it'll save you a bunch of money. Every time you go, you already got that credit ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. No, it's it's a great it's a great setup. I mean, I would be lost, I think, without DRF formulator. Uh, And it is one of the most helpful handicapping tools I think you can possibly find. And so when they run these sorts of deals, it's just such a wonderful way to get people connected to the best information in the industry, I think. And uh, we're going to dive on in and uh, show you how we use these daily racing form past performances to try to navigate ourselves to a winner here and there. Five graded stakes races. They're going to go in races five, seven, eight, nine, and 10. And we're also going to see some big name horses in here. We're going to see Moira, who is the 2022 Canadian Horse of the Year. We're going to see Wonder Wheel, who was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile (laughs) Phillies winner last year. So some really, really star-studded names on the card, as well as big fields. Not one of the 11 races has a field under eight. On the, you on can't the, ask for uh, much more than that. Honestly, like what else do you want? You have big fields, you have big names, and you have big pools. $100,000 in the early pick five. You can play a lot of these wagers on the 20 cent based wager as well. So uh, dive on in this weekend up at Woodbine. It's a good time on the calendar too for them to get uh, a nice little spotlight this weekend. Let's kick things off, Maddie, in race number five. It's the grade three marine stakes. We're going to be on the synthetic surface here. And, uh, Sort of from a a discussing standpoint, the horse Mm -hmm. to beat is probably the number five Turf King, who's installed as two to one on the morning line as the morning line favorite for Chad Brown. He ships in from Monmouth Park. He won his first two starts, and then he went over to Monmouth. He finished third in the Jersey Derby. So he'll be pretty tough in here. Right next door, Twin City. He's a multiple winner. He hasn't done a whole lot wrong in his career. You know, they'll be probably the horses to beat. But yeah. how did you sort of see this race playing out and uh, who are some of the horses on your radar? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I was willing to try to get past the top two. Uh, I agree completely. Spot. So, yeah, I, so Turf King, to me, whenever Chad Brown ships a horse to Monmouth, that's always a little bit of a, hmm, 
maybe Chad doesn't think, you know, maybe this Why is more the D-level horse, sure. you know, uh, and, and still a great horse, but it just you know, maybe not his upper echelon. And then going to Woodbine is a very unusual move for him on the synthetic. I know this horse broke its maiden on the synthetic uh, golf stream, but still, uh, it made me want to go, hmm, I mean, Chad I Brown's agree. only winning at 15% at Woodbine over the last five years, five or 33. So it's not overwhelming. It's not like this is Chad at Belmont. Twin City, same sort of thing. That last time out, the speed figure really popped, but was it because it was a cutback to seven furlongs? Did the horse mature from two to three? I don't know. And so as a result, because if you look at all those other speed figures, they're rather pedestrian. Yep. And so I, I'm willing to try to get past those two. So I, the horse that I was a little bit interested in is the number seven. That's, uh, uh, that's my play. Is that oh, yeah. your play. Yeah, so there's two of them who I like here. And so Midnight Rising, the seven is one of them. Uh, eight to one for Jordan Blair uh, with Ray Lou aboard. Uh, this is the one who I just started off really solid at Turfway Park on the synthetic and popped a really nice figure on debut. Um, and, you know, is a little bit of a closer, but can it has tactical enough speed that it can sit close to the uh, closer to the pace and stepped immediately up to a listed stakes race and finished fourth in a pretty good field with a horse like Rarified Flair, who I know you're a big fan of. And mm -hmm. that was also an effort off Lasix. Then it goes back on Lasix, but goes to the turf. And I don't, I just think this horse might be better as an all weather uh, surface horse. And at eight to one in the morning line, you're getting significantly better value. I think Ray is going to be aggressive with this horse and make sure this horse is at least positioned mid pack uh, and doesn't maybe have quite as much to do coming for home. But that was that was one I definitely wanted to start with and talking about this race. I'm pretty sure we talked about this horse when he ran on the April 28th race coming off those first two synthetics yeah. at, Ke at Keeneland yeah. when he ran third that day. Yeah, uh, because that March 25th race that you were talking about. That was a good race. He just uh -huh. moved a little early and a little bit wide. He was sitting about fifth or sixth. He was about three, three lengths off of it. He made a big four wide move and he opened up two lengths and he just moved a little bit early. And, and so he kind of hung a little bit and horses from the back picked him off. Then at Keeneland on that April, the 28th race, it was very good. He had a slow start. He was 10th. He was inside and he was just completely blocked. He started to roll late. He had to angle out. And he got up for third. It was a really good effort. He was not that far behind Turf King that day. Um, mm -hmm. Last time out, the race at, at Indy, honestly, the three horses that ran one, two, three I, in here, yep, they yep. would be favored in this race. I, well, it, it's funny because Wadsworth, I believe, is favored in the Wise Dan this at, weekend at, at, um, at Ellis Park. At Ellis Park, um, a stakes race yeah. there. You and Gigante's four to one in that race as well. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're both legitimate. And yeah. even Colorado is a horse who we've seen in graded stakes races yep. is grade three placed. So mm -hmm. any one of those three horses in that race, had they been in here, they would yeah. be really, really tough to beat. So I'm not going to hold that race against him all that much when I'm comparing it here. Agree with what you said. He also just might be a little bit better on the synthetic. I love that yeah. Raylu jumps aboard with him. He feels like the price should be right. Like lots yeah. of things point me to him running a really good race in here. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, the, the other horse that I want to give a shout out to, and maybe this is more of an underneath play if you're playing vertical exotics, is actually the horse on the rail, One Bay Hemingway uh, at 12 to 1. This horse has a ton of speed. And what's interesting is this horse, you know, finished second in the Grey Cup last year uh, and, you know, had a really nice effort that day and, and you know, held on for second place. Um, this horse has got the inside rail. It should have the speed to be able to get out on the lead and be able to set the tempo the way that he wants. There's 
there's other speed in this race, but it's not overwhelming. And I mean, the, the four horse uh, is probably the next fastest horse in the field, but I could see the one getting up on the front end and being able to kind of dictate terms a little bit. There are some nice races this horse has in his back pocket, and it has demonstrated the ability can stretch out before. So, uh, you know, at a big price, a horse that is seven for eight in the money in its career, I'm going to probably use in some way underneath just because you're at 12 to one and there's plenty of other horses that are going to take money. I think you're probably going to get close to that come post time. Uh, yeah, this the one, the four is a kind of a fun name. I think it's cow Cokey poo. And I yeah. think it's sort of translated into wanderlust. Um, oh, I, nice. I've kind of okay. gone down like a rabbit hole with this, <laughs> um, with this word before. Cause I've looked this horse up and it's, yeah. it doesn't really have a meaning in English. It's one of those words that, you know, it doesn't have a direct meaning. Um, right, right, right. But it's, it's fun, uh, to hear Robert Geller say this name when he's, uh, when he's calling the races there. Um, that's why I, I just that, stuck to the number four horse. That's yeah, why I was like, I'm four. just not even going to try. <laughs> I thought he's very, like a very honest horse to use underneath. He's a, he's one of those, uh, light bulb horses, right. That yeah. you see knocking on the door. He'd really not run any bad races in his entire career. He just right. hadn't ever won. And then all of a sudden, he puts it together. Not yep. only does he put it together, when he does, he wins by nine lengths. Yeah. Right. It was like, oh, oh, this was what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to just keep going in front, mm -hmm. you know. And then mm -hmm. he comes right back. And it was a race that he wouldn't have won earlier on in his career last time out because he was behind horses in trouble, kind of stuck inside a little bit. And he just sort of waited, waited, waited. And uh, he angled out three wide, like super professionally. I think he might yeah. just be kind of growing up a little bit, you know, maturing a little bit here too. So yeah. he's a fun one to use. Definitely a fun one to say in <laughs> like, what's the first of five really contentious graded stakes races. Like, especially yeah. if you are like you and I, who we don't feel like these two favorites in this race are overwhelming in here. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I think the, would it shock me if either of them won? No, no. but I I'm willing to try to beat them because I don't At see them as such a huge, uh, you know, favorite compared to what we see in the rest of this field. Yeah. At eight to five and five to two, what they'll probably be. Probably. You know, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. go elsewhere in yeah. here. Uh, Midnight rising. The one that we both land on Matt gives a little look to the inside runner. One Bay Hemingway uh, fan of the uh, sun also rises. Is that, that one for you? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I do like, I, I've actually uh, spent, I actually went to Hemingway's home in Key West. Oh, uh, was, there uh, we go. That was a lot of fun. So there we go. there's a there's a really uh, if people ever go there, there's a great story about the englassed penny uh, that is uh, it, right by the pool of uh, there. And it, it's all about a fight between uh, Hemingway and his then wife. And then the wife was rather petty and did something very funny. I'm going to look so, cool yeah. at a party one day because of you. Cause I'm going to mention that I'm going to reverberate what you just told me while we're sitting around having a drink. And someone's going to look at me and like stroke their chin. Very like, look at this guy over here. And I'm going to think and give you a little nod to the gods to Maddie right there on that one. As we uh, move along to the, uh, the next graded stakes races uh, race. So there'll be four in a row that start in mm. race number seven, which kicks off your late pick five. Um, so you'll have, Graded stakes race, graded stakes race, graded stakes race, graded stakes race. Um, the Celine kicks them off. The Celine is where we will see Wonder Wheel, who is six to five on the morning line. Wonder Wheel won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies last year. Wonder Wheel is a multiple grade one winner. She started the year fine, right? In the Sun Coast, yeah. it was yeah. 
her her speed figure was the best speed figure, co-best speed figure she'd ever run. The same that she ran in winning the Breeders' Cup last year. And she lost to a big long shot. And it didn't seem like it was anything to worry about because it was just her first start. You figured she'll be a little bit tighter and she's got bigger fish to fry down the line, right? They want to peak in the Oaks. Unfortunately, then in the Ashland, you know, she didn't really take the step forward like we were hoping. I think some people thought getting back to Churchill, a track that she'd run really well over, she would be able to progress again. And then she didn't. Now she comes up and she'll try the synthetic for the first time. She's been working here at Woodbine for a while and she'll get Lasix for the first time. What's nice Mm -hmm. is as a three-year-old filly, she has some spots she could run in the Woodbine Oaks and the Kings Plate. Yeah. Are very logical spots for her if she runs well and seems to like this, this surface. So, you know, from a talking standpoint, from everything, she's definitely the, one of the more notable horses running on the card on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And and she's a filly who, uh, you know, the, the problem is it kind of goes back to the last race, which is she's six to five in the morning line. I don't even know if we'll end up getting that. I know. Uh, and she just feels like a horse that I kind of need to see her run well again before I, I use her. And and I, I agree. I, again, could she win? Absolutely. Um, and, and you're right about, you know, where her progression could be this year if she stays up at Woodbine. But I just I have a hard time taking a horse at that short of a price who's turned into two really poor performances the last two times out. So and, and yeah. Safey Joseph seems to have a strong hand in this race. He does right? Yeah. Like he has a couple in here that may be able to give give him different uh, kind of complement each other's running styles. Mm-hmm. Come at it from totally different ways. And what I like about some of them is they either have synthetic experience you know, either at Gulfstream or even a horse like the number three, who I'll mention, um, Honor D Lady, who I think is like a very logical alternative if you're looking to play against Wonder Wheel. Because what's nice about her, last year, she came up to Woodbine already and ran well here. So Mm -hmm. she already has come up, done this trip, and run well over this course. And then this year, her first start of the year, she wins a stakes race. And then most recently, she we can watch this race too. Yeah. It, it's it's a little deceiving. I think she ran kind of better than it may look on paper. So as we look at the race, she's the number four here, Matt. But mm-hmm. you know, Safey has uh honor delady. He also has uh Be My Sunshine and Blind Spot. And Blind Spot's probably the speed. Yeah. Honor delady might be kind of the stalking one in the middle. Yeah. And then yep. be my sunshine might be the one coming at it from, from the back. Right. So yep. the four didn't break all that bad in here, but then all of a sudden just wasn't really persevered with and ends up kind of last down on the inside yep. in that bad spot. Ugh. And and it's just, you know, so she, she was in the winner of the race was ocean club who is going wide, who is out front cruising right here. Yeah. So you can just see where the four is and the way the race shapes up. But uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the the Joseph runners in here, Maddie. Yeah, so I, I liked Honor Delady a lot as well, and at seven to two, I think you're getting an honest price. And yeah, I, I thought well, the nice part is if she sits the trip she did two back, actually, I think that's the perfect trip is to yeah. sit that stalking trip and then not Absolutely. have to make up nearly as much ground. You, she doesn't need to be coming from trying to come from last place like she did here, um, especially when they're going an Amerigo round up front in terms of Ocean Club just taking them gate to wire. So. I think the fact that she's got good tactical speed and still has good late kick, 
as well, I think makes her, uh, you know, very aggressive. Obviously, Zayas is, you know, Safi's number one jockey. And so he comes up there uh, to ride her. And, uh, you know, I, I just think she makes a ton of sense at seven to two. And, and like you said, that race last year, the Mazarin, uh, she came up here and ran well uh, on Lasix. And, and we should mention that that's the only other time the horse has ever had Lasix. And, and now you see her here coming down the stretch. I mean, she's making up ground. She's trying. Yep. That's for sure. She just didn't get a chance until it was too late here. So I yeah. thought it was a good effort from Honor D Lady. She's going to duck down here. She's not far out of second when it's all said and done, just chasing a, a lone speed wire to wire winner. Now she'll make the third start off the long layoff, third start of her form cycle. Just mm-hmm. feels like she's coming into this race well. She fits really well. She could get the type of trip we want, we're hoping for. Um, yeah, I, I kind of make her my top selection in here. Yep. Um, and like I look at a few of the others that I think are kind of intriguing. Like I even thought the one, yeah, um, 45 <laughs> 70. You know, you you pull the old uh the angle, the toss two angle, mm-hmm. right? With her, yep. where the you toss the race right before the long layoff. And then you toss the race right after the long layoff. And if a lot of the other form looks good, well, you can understand that she might just have had something go wrong. And that's why she went to the bench for a while. And when she came back, she might've just needed a start for her, you know, to get back to towards her best level. Can Uh, she take one more step forward? You know, she's not far off competing with the rest of these on speed figures. Yeah. And she's going to, from the inside rail, she's got good positional speed uh, where she shouldn't get shuffled back too far. What I like about her is that if you look, she's always been well meant. I mean, they Mm -hmm. started off in a big time maiden special weight race. They've placed her in a stakes race before she ever even broke her maiden. She's always given honest effort. She finally gets that uh, victory. And then, like you said, she runs a bad one in December. That coincides with the season shutting down anyway. So they shut her down. They bring her back. I think you can easily toss those two efforts. And if you do that, uh, she makes a lot of sense as a horse that should be up there close to the lead as well uh, and sitting maybe a stalking inside pocket trip. And, uh, you know, I think at at the very least, that horse should not be 20 to one. Uh, I, or I, I like that horse a lot more than 20 mm-hmm. to one. And you should be including that horse, I think, in some exotics. I will say the other horse, I, I think Safi's other horse, uh, Blind Spot, has a legit chance in the spot as well. Speed, um, the speed of them too, right? If yeah. anyone can maybe yeah. get out front or be right up there, with the top groups, this is a, yeah. a filly who's kept company with some nice horses, right? She comes out of that. Here comes the bride with Dance Macabre, Propilio, and Cairo Consort. All of them yeah. really, really quality runners. Last yeah. time out on the synthetic at Wood, uh, on the synthetic sprinting up here at Woodbine. So sort of got the the Woodbine prep too, which is nice. Like I, yeah. I always like when horses have that that local spin. Yeah, absolutely. And and so it's been working out, obviously, for the last several months up at Woodbine. And, um, and, and you know, listen, is two for two on synthetic uh, and has, you know, never uh, as never. I mean, I know she was disqualified last time. Crossed the wire first, yeah, yeah, but yeah, crossed, absolutely. Crossed the wire first, uh, essentially, yeah, the last two times on the um, on the synthetic. So, you know, I, there's not a lot that she's done wrong. I mean, she may have to take another step forward a little bit from a speed figure standpoint, but I, I think there's every reason to expect that she could absolutely do that. And uh, so I think Safi is kind of loaded for bear in this race and he, he's got a couple of nice options here, but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be playing against uh wonder wheel in the spot for sure. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the play in here. Um, and like we were talking about, he has them from a, a, a pace and sort of tactics yeah. standpoint. Like, I always like that. Yeah. Like perfectly well measured. One of them, they just don't seem like they're going to be hurting each other 
doing what they want to do naturally, right? That's what's always hard if you're a trainer or an owner and you have two really good speed horses and they both fit well in a spot. What do you yeah. want to do, right? Because yeah. they're both going to hinder each other's chances. But mm -hmm. in a race like this, it's nice because you just tell everybody to go out there and you ride your race. You know, you sit back, you try to sit middle and, and get the best trip and you go to the yeah. lead. And, and, and the thing is, all three of them are good horses. And it's not as if you're putting one in just to help the other one out. No. It's, not like, it's not like Blind Spot's a rabbit. Blind nope. Spot could legitimately win this race yep. and it has every right to win this race. So it's, it, I like it when you see that, when you're like, these are three really good horses that just happen to have three different running styles that kind of complement each other, but they all have a legitimate chance to win. So And the leading rider, perennial leading rider up there, Kimura lands on the five. Right. Be my sunshine. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Then it's not as if she's done much wrong, but we're just sort of talking about she is not quite as quick. So she yeah. might be a horse who, who could be better like this and better moving forward in bigger yeah. fields in tougher races where there's honest pace in those races for her to run yeah. at, you know, because yeah. one of the races she loses to a horse named well into and well into is just really quick. Yeah. So she just has no chance in that type of race, you know, yeah. trying to chase a lone speed horse like that. So it does look like the, uh, the Joseph ones are really strong in here. And if you're playing any sort of late exotics, maybe you know, you can start some of them here with the pick five. You'll be able to get a good idea. One of these horses gets forgotten about price-wise. Maybe you you even go a little bit more that way. Because I agree with you. I have a feeling Wonder Wheel is going to get hit quite hard yeah. here. The Cassie horse yeah. with the credentials. Everybody knows the name. Um, exactly. Patrick Husbands is up on the mount. I mean, it just, it's like, a, you know, for people who don't play Woodbine often. I mean, that's like Pletcher and Ortiz or something like that. Where you're yeah. like, well, that's going to get bet down. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Let's move along to race number eight. This one is the grade two Highlander six furlong turf sprint. What a cool race. This one is, yeah. um, it is a big field. We'll go right to the outside for the horse. Who's your five to two morning line favorite. He can fly one timer. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you go through his whole career. You eliminate the mile in a 16th race, which yeah. they just took a flyer there. See if yeah. he could go along on the dirt, see what they had. Didn't want to do it. Immediately cut him back and sprinting on the grass. He wins a grade two. He's off for the rest of 2022. Shows back up with a prep, easy prep at Belterra. He's the heavy favorite. It's just to get him some fitness because this is the plan. They didn't want him to have something taxing, I'm sure, before yeah. coming to run here at Woodbine. And for Larry Ravelli, who's had some unfortunate news this week, yeah. uh, one-timer is a horse who's you know, very fast and they'll have to at least catch in here to beat. Absolutely. No, I mean, one time a very good horse. And I do find myself rooting for the horse because of the week that Larry had with two fills and yep. uh, everything there. So I, I do from that, you know, just a fan standpoint, I find myself rooting for the horse. I, I will say, and this is always, I, I think, a challenge when you look, handicap sprint races. There's a lot of speed in this race, as you would expect in a sprint race. But you, when there's this much speed, you do wonder, even for a horse sitting on the outside who can kind of judge where you know he might want to slot in. I, I did find myself kind of looking at a, a few alternatives to oh, yeah. ten uh, in this spot as well. And, and six one of the might be a little like this six furlongs on this turf course, which is a yeah. big turf course. It is. Big you know, he's, sleeping, he, yeah. he's got the six and a half at Kentucky. I'm not saying he can't get it. That yeah. might be a little beyond what he wants, like his scope. He might be more of a five, five and a halfer. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that it is the, the horse that I'm interested in 
is um it's kind of an interesting horse. It's the number four, uh Maceto, nice. yeah, uh, who's five to one. And this is another yeah. Cassie horse with Patrick Husband's aboard. This is a horse that's coming back from over a year layoff and just ran them off their feet last time at five furlongs at Woodbine. And just, you know, but can sit behind that early pace, but has tremendous late pace speed. Uh, This was uh, a horse that came out of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Donacho O'Brien's barn, you know, uh, Aiden. And so it is, you know, a really good horse. And, you know, I don't know. This one feels like it could be a really sneaky price. This is a horse whose multiple group stakes play. So like you go through his entire career, his races overseas were very good. Um, he was four bears go uh, <laughs> was like, a really good horse. Well, he was fourth Berkshire in the field Shadow. of 17 at Royal Ascot, you yep. know, back in, in 2021, just to give you an idea. Um, he was only beaten a length and three quarters that day. So he comes to Kentucky and he's off for a few months. He shows up and he just, you know, he just doesn't really fire and he's mm-hmm. off all the way to June. He shows up off a long layoff. He wins. Then he's off for a whole year. And like, What's crazy is this horse has grown up so much and we really haven't been able to see it, you mm-hmm. know, because what we've, what we've only really seen from him early in his career, he was two. And now yep. this is the, the second half of his four-year-old season. He, he's like such a different horse. Now, the only thing that scares me in it, when I watch the race, it doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. It's just the quick turnaround. It's coming yeah. back in two weeks because yeah. he had a year off. He obviously has some physical issues, right? Because yeah. he's had a lot of time off in between some of his starts. He's missed time, but he's the number one in this race. We're watching. He, it's, it doesn't look, it's like, not looks like it takes a whole lot out of him. That's yeah. why visually I'm not all that worried. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a little fresh here. So he was yeah. close up. Like he was even right there on the inside of Bushido, but he yeah. took back a little bit from the rail. You can see even now he wants to go. He's sort of wanting to go a little bit and then he's getting stuck in a kind of what looks like a bad spot down on the inside. Um, You know, you're just going to have to be at the mercy of the group. You're just waiting because you can't angle to the outside because now you're pinned in by the three. So you're just sort of waiting for room. And I thought this was, I mean, he gets a perfect spot like this and he angles around, but, but that's sort of why maybe we don't mind playing him back again quickly. Right. How how much did he have to do in here? Did this take all that much out of him? Yeah. No, I mean, he put on the burst and, you know, I don't think he ever felt the whip and, you know, and and now, you know, husbands is standing up in the, in the, in the stirrups. So, um, and the other thing is it's a Mark Cassie horse. Mark Cassie doesn't bring horses back if they're not sound and if they're not ready to do it. I mean, he, he always cares about horses health i mean he, he's you know has a reputation as a very very good trainer and look regard. at one so, of the blind yeah. just you know <laughs> blindly looking at one of his statistics here yeah second off the second off the bench over that long layoff yeah you know he has a positive roi with with this move meaning yeah. he does it well he knows where these horses should be spotted quite often on a big sample size um so, I mean, he's a must use to me in any late exotics. I could, yeah. I couldn't not use him. The only thing that worried me was just the quick turnaround, but man, he's, he's a nice horse. He doesn't done yeah. almost anything wrong in his whole career. It, yeah. it all makes sense to him, uh, for me with him. He, yeah. he and the, the three were my top two, uh, in this okay. race, 
uh, Old Chestnut and Maceto. What's interesting about Old Chestnut is he had previously run on the grass and had some races that were solid. You know, he was in the Highlander a couple years ago where he was seventh and maybe a cut below. And now, since moving into the new barn, his last two races on the synthetic have been really good. And I don't know if it's just a synthetic thing because prior mm. to that, he was a better turf horse. Is it yeah. just an improvement thing? Maybe he's just a little bit better now for this newborn. What's really interesting too is the horse that he lost to in just from a class standpoint in the Jacques Cartier last time out is Anarchist. He went over and he had a sneaky good effort in the true north. He got stopped and had some trouble. I think he might have won that race. I honestly do think he may have been able to beat Elite Power that day because Elite Power may not have been completely cranked up in his first mm -hmm. start. And, mm -hmm. you know, he got a 99 buyer speed figure. And Old Chestnut ran really well in that spot that day. He loves this Woodbine turf course. This is where he's run some of his best races. Uh, lots of threes and fours for me in here. Uh, mm -hmm. One other dimension, Matt, because I've just chased him a few times and I can't let him get away from me is Oceanic. Um, I, I knew you'd bring this horse up. You knew, we, yeah. oh, we both have chased this I horse know. a few times. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, it's another one where he runs these bang up races back to back, I the know. ones that jump off the page, right? <laughs> and then since then, he's chasing Lone Speed Caravel, Lone Speed Caravel, Lone Speed No Balls. Then yep. on May the 23rd, he gets into a little softer spot at Indy. He takes a really bad step. Yeah. Like early in the race, he loses all momentum. He loses about two to three lengths. He tips out and he comes running. So now all of a sudden, four races in a row, he's chasing lone speed winners. And then last time out, we can probably just eliminate the race because of that bad step he took. He honestly would have been much closer and in that race if he does yeah. if that doesn't happen to him. There he would fit with this group with one of his better efforts, no doubt. It's just, absolutely. are, are we going to get that from him? But maybe it'll be built into the price. Ray Lu jumps aboard. You know, I'm playing pick fours or pick fives. He's another one, especially if I'm I'm spreading out and not keying in on one timer. He's got to yeah. be on my tickets. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, I... Yes. Uh, everything you said is right. I This is a horse we both have chased a few times. We both like uh, quite a bit. This horse ran. I mean, if this horse runs anywhere near what it did at the Shaker Town, it's going to win. Um, and because that was just a ridiculously good effort that day and just came up, you know, short and somehow missed the board, too. Um, but the other horse that I will uh, give a little bit of a shout to that I'm a little interested in is the number seven super dormy. Yeah. I was going to say both um, the seven and the eight, even right next door to each other. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. neither one of these horses would be, would be absurd or would, would be off. Yeah. Like, yeah. And super dormy is a horse that is two for two over the woodbine turf. Uh, and so, you know, clearly likes this turf course and one last time out, uh, I, you know, the speed figures would have to take a little bit of a step up, but there's nothing to suggest that this horse wouldn't be able to do that. And it, it also, it feels like they kind of, this horse likes six furlongs specifically. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's two for two at six furlongs. And I feel like they've been moving this horse around a lot. Sometimes the horse runs a mile, a mile and a 16th, five, you know, it's just all over the place. And it's like, when you get this horse at six furlongs, this horse runs really well and actually should sit a pretty similar trip to the number four that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. in terms of maybe right behind that early cavalcade of speed. And then maybe can angle out and make a launch late. Yeah. It's super dormy. 
is a horse who, you know, his Gulfstream effort down here, that one was very good. The, uh, yeah. the one in February and yeah. he loses to Emmanuel. He loses to Rockcrest, who we've seen come out yeah. against tough company and do very, very well. Uh, Strikers, a horse who had the first start in a few months. He has some races that he could maybe get back to that are intriguing. Just a very solid betting race here. Uh, a couple that jumped out uh, to me and Maddie initially, the four, Macedo was one that was definitely both uh, on both of the radar. I thought the three was uh, was quite intriguing uh, also. And uh, yeah, ten, the 10 is the horse to beat, but... For sure. You know, yeah. it, there's there's feels like there's going to be enough other speed to just at least make him work and, and make him have to prove it at a short enough price. Absolutely. Let's get you race number nine here as we'll take a look at the grade three Dominion Day mile and an eighth on the synthetic. This one's kind of cool, Matt. The four Tyson and the six Treason are horses who both uh, and Carruthers, they come out of the Eclipse last time out. Mm-hmm. They're all horses who I could make a really nice case for in here. Um, mm-hmm. There's a horse Barry and I played a bunch last year, Golden Glider. Uh huh. I remember. This was our horse last year. And he, you know, if you just look at the the body of the work last year when he was on the dirt facing better horses, like mm-hmm. you can eliminate a lot of those and just figure he's better on the synthetic. He wouldn't really shock me all that much. I think the horse I like the most in this spot is the four. I, I mm. think the one that I'm the most intrigued by at this price. Uh, we mm-hmm. can watch the eclipse because it's a key race where Tyson yeah. and Treason and Carruthers all come out of. But for Tyson, I mean, he's a four-year-old and he's only going to be making his fourth career start. Yeah. So he's obviously had some physical issues along the way. I love when horses like this are able to put a couple races together because I, I really feel like mm-hmm. we'll start to get a good foundation and we'll start to get a good idea of who they are. So the three key horses to watch in this race, the four, the seven, and the 10. The four was Tyson, who's also the four. The seven was Treason, who's uh, also going to be the, uh, or who's Treason, who's going to be the six, and then Carruthers is the other. So those are the three we're watching from this race, four, seven, and 10. So the key for me was that Tyson is the gray. He's in a good spot. He's just sitting in the second flight. He's in between horses. And he'll end up getting shuffled back just a little bit. And honestly, Matt, the difference in like in winning this race is just like that is that is when that happens is getting shuffled because treason ends up winning and he sits a really nice trip up there in third in the clear. Yeah. And and you're right. And then the four is kind of is off the four. I, that's the trip I don't like either, which is like yep. in between on the second flight and you're you boxed in out, every way. You yep. can't go in. You're just yep. stuck all over the place. Yeah. And and you're you so you're stuck a path out at least, and you're then you're just trapped and you're just at the will of how the race is going to play out and whether or not a spot opens up for you. So um no it, listen. It, this horse made a ton of sense for me. I, I think, uh, you know, the, the four uh, Tyson was, was my second choice uh, in this race. And I, I think absolutely could stand to improve off of that effort. And, you know, is, is gone from Todd Pletcher, but the, Josie Carroll's barn and Josie's great up there at Woodbine. And so, uh, so he got shuffled you know, a little bit right here and, you know, yeah, I think he got, really he got a little back. lost, you know, yep. he got back about four or five lengths and that was the farthest he'd ever been back in any, in either of his first two races. Mm-hmm. He'd never been headed. So this yep. now all of a sudden he's like, what's going on? And then he gets into the clear here and they ask him for some run. 
and he starts to stride on nicely. Like this is a quality yeah. horse here. You yep. know, he just has a nice stride he, late too. Like yeah. he just got a little lost. I don't think distance will be a problem for him trying to get the additional distance here, like get the mile in an eighth. I think the third start back now off that long, long layoff. I feel like there might be a little upside with him um, in this one. You said you had him second. Who's the horse who you have on top uh, in here? I, I couldn't get past the favorite here. I treason just look. I mean, He's what super- he did off the bench was just so impressive. Mm-hmm. What I was like, all right. I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, from a speed figure standpoint, he fits. And then. He, he's not far you know, he's off a, looking looking form wise like the four like he's a right. horse who you you know has had gaps in his career just yep. some physical issues he's a, a five-year-old who's only run seven times but now yep. they've kind of figured him out up at woodbine and mm-hmm. those three races is in a row are all pretty good he's just going to be really close to the front end yeah and he's a horse that i think just kind of makes his own luck to some extent because he does have that speed and so it's you know when we sometimes get frustrated with the horse because they don't get the right trip it's like well the horses that do get the right trips are the horses i mean sometimes it's the jockey but sometimes it's also just you know making sure that you know the horses just have the natural speed so i thought out of everybody coming out of those races listen i thought treason made a lot of sense i thought tyson made a lot of sense uh, the one I was out on was actually Carruthers out of the three. I agree. Um, I agree with you. It, just because I was worried about the, I, I thought there might be regression coming mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. horse has kind of moved up a lot. And I was like, ah, I feel like there's not another step for this horse to take. Mm-hmm. And I think the step this horse takes is actually maybe one that's maybe a slight step back. So, yeah. Um, and, and I feel like this horse has, I, I will say, I mean, Dexter Martin or uh, Martin Dexler, I should say has, I mean, gotten this horse into great condition. I mean, this was an, a claiming level horse. And I mean, it does have some stakes races back in the day, but I mean, this was a horse that was running in claiming forties and optional claimer 35s and, you know, ran a bang up second in a, you know, in the eclipse last time out. But I just feel like there's a step back coming on this one. The, the, yeah. Uh, of the shorter, I don't, I don't really mind Nova soul all that much yeah. either. You know, what's yeah. nice about him um, on the outside. He actually has a win at a mile and a quarter. Uh-huh. in brazil on the turf um uh-huh. just so from a, a distance standpoint right we've seen him go two miles even and he was third going a mile and a half so it at a mile and an eighth which may be difficult for some horses sometime like that shouldn't be any problem for him he's also going to be second start back he should be able to sit a pretty nice trip he's mm-hmm. been up here and run at woodbine before and didn't run all, all that poorly in uh, the autumn or the valedictory last year so yeah he um he kind of fits too that what you said about treason, that's what it reminds me of uh, the the part in Titanic when they're when they're sitting there and they're eating the dinner and yeah. the guy goes, all life is a game of luck. And then Billy Zane comes in and goes, a real man makes his own luck, Dawson. And he throws him the, uh, he throws in the matches right there. I wanted to say, yeah, that's reminded me because yeah. he, he is one of those horses that make your uh, that make your own luck because of his yeah. running style. He just puts yeah. him. And that's a thing that we do as handicappers sometimes, and I do this sometimes, right? We knock, and we want to poke holes and knock on horses who get perfect trips the next time, right? You want to do that the next time, especially if they're over bet. You Mm want to say, oh, you know, they got a perfect trip. Are they going to always get that trip? Some of them work themselves into that trip all the time, right? Some horses do. That's the thing is usually after like after a horse does it, if I ever hear myself or anyone else say like this horse just keeps getting perfect trips. And I'm like, well, there's probably a reason this horse keeps yeah. getting perfect trips like this yeah. horse is just it can work out its own luck. And and betting against that then becomes a little bit foolish because you're like, well, 
why wouldn't this horse continue to get the perfect trip? And, and, yeah. you know, and so again, it's not to say that treason's unbeatable in this spot, but I just think no. he is a horse that's going to put himself in the position to do, to, to have a run there at the end mm -hmm. uh, and, and to be uh, in that group. But again, I could understand somebody going, I'd rather take six to one on Tyson than two to one on treason. That makes all the sense in the world to me. And, and maybe they try to even get a little more aggressive with Tyson who got kind of caught behind last time yeah. out. Yep. Maybe they'll try to see if they can get a little closer early on. Mm -hmm. um, Golden Glider toss in the mix in a, a spot or two there and race number nine. As we, I'll, I'll get, I'll get, I'll mention one other horse just very quickly yeah. in this one. I'm sorry. Number one, Please? war bomber. Uh, oh yeah. It, this is again, this is, feels like another horse that probably shouldn't be 20 to one. I, I get this horse faded badly last time out. Um, this horse should absolutely be the speed on the inside rail. He's I mean, going I from the rail. going to go. Yeah, exactly. And this horse has nice efforts going back in its form. It doesn't really I mean second in a grade two, third in a grade like, three. Let's third, just say third, he winning needed the race three. last year yeah. in his first start in six, seven months. Exactly. And so the running line in the eclipse made all the sense in the world to me, which is like the horse is coming back from six months, probably yeah. needed one off the bench. Now you have a little bit more conditioning. I mean, toss the, toss the woodbine mile, right? Going yeah. a mile on the turf, which isn't relevant to what we're talking about here. Right. And now look at how good that form starts to really look like yeah. last year. He was in this race, but it was his first start of the year. Right. So he was yep. a little short there, but then he showed improvement in his second start. And it was his third start when he put it all together and yep. look what ended up happening. He won the Seagram at 18 to one, yep. similar to what may be able to happen in a spot like this. Right. He's not going to be the most consistent horse, mm -hmm. but he can jump up and win. And he's not far off competing with this group. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned him in yeah. here. War bomber. And, uh, I wouldn't, be able to get out of this race if we didn't say no one drinks like Gaston. No one thinks like Gaston. No one. I, I love me Gaston. He's one of the greatest. Gaston, Gaston is fantastic. One of the greatest heel characters. Love Gaston, the Disney villain from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Let's finish up, Matt, with the 10th race, the final of the five graded stakes races. These mm -hmm. are really good races to, to handicap and to dive into. If you hadn't taken a look, I'm sure if you're listening or watching this, you, you probably have taken a look now or, or going to decide to. Um, we finish things up with Moira, 2023 huh. Canadian Horse of the Year. Now, what's pretty cool uh, about her, and I mean, I, I didn't even think about this, but she wins last year the Woodbine Oaks, and then she wins the Queen's Plate mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. dominant, dominant fashion. And then following that, she tries the turf for the first time against Older in the EP Taylor. Mm -hmm. And she gets DQ'd in that, out of that race, even though she, she runs an incredibly impressive race. Yeah. She ends up getting DQ'd. She finishes second, like up the inside. After that, they take a shot in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. Yeah. What was crazy to me is that in her second turf start of her career, she's in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare yeah. Turf. Yeah. And she finishes fifth. And the only horses that beat her in that race were the first, second, and fourth choice. And then one other long shot. Yeah. Like, she was that good in her second career turf start to yeah. where – only a couple of the best turf horses out there could beat her, even when she probably wasn't at her best 
yet on the turf, right? She was just making her second start. Now, all that being said, she didn't win her last time out. And it was as a heavy, heavy favorite. It was her first start of the year. It was on the synthetic. But man, like overall, she's going to be heavily bet. She's a really fun horse. She's a cool story. Um, And this should be the spot where she bounces back and runs better. And if you're just looking at, you know, the races visually, that turf race in the EP Taylor, she looked fantastic. And she kept company with the top-notch horses in the Breeders' Cup Billionaire turf on the turf. So let's just start talking about Moira here. Uh, She's the two-to-one morning line favorite in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think you outlined her career perfectly. I mean, she was obviously super impressive, kind of the bell of the ball up there last year in winning the Queens, Queens Plate in such dominant fashion. And yeah, that E.P. Taylor, that was a bizarre race because I remember Rougier winning that was like, that horse was like stopped and cut off and yep. then like almost completely stopped and then somehow managed to like re-break and or it wasn't even re-breaking, but like get going again um, and win that race. That was just a bizarre race and she was kind of all over the place coming down the stretch. And so then uh, she gets DQ'd, but I mean, a huge effort there. And then, yeah, I mean, you lose to Tuesday in Italian and Lady Spatespear. <laughs> That's not really bad, uh, like, you know, in your second career effort on the turf. So, and she's been working out dynamite. I mean, she just fired off a, a 47 flat for a furlong bullet last time out. So she's clearly feeling herself and she, she's feeling well. And I think you can excuse the one off the bench and, um, you know, but she is going to be a huge, uh, you know, a horse that's going to be bet down significantly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, because and I mean, she, like on speed figures and stuff, she yeah. does, like her grass races are, a, a little chunk better, but uh, but she will be probably bet down more than than that, and that's going yes. to be reflected. Like if you can beat her in any way, shape, or form, not sure if we can, but one that intrigues me, Matt, and will definitely mm-hmm. be on a pick four or five ticket of mine will be the two Millie Girl. Um, mm, okay, yeah. Millie Girl, just going through her career overall, she just hasn't done much wrong. Right. Her first um, her first couple starts at Woodbine on the turf. She wins. Then she tries longer on the synthetic. She finishes third. She runs second. Then she's sent to the bench. She shows back up as a five year old. Um, Her first start of the year, she wins. And then we can watch her most recent start, which was going six and a half in the Royal North, which is a grade two kind of sets up some horses who want to stretch out for this race. And it's kind of an in-between point because then other horses Mm -hmm. can cut back and go in different stakes. She's the number four in here. The number six sweet enough is also in this race. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Millie girl ran pretty well. She's an okay start. She's sort of down on the inside. She's in like the fifth, sixth spot, but Matt, how many times when we watch horses that get this trip, we know it's going to happen. Uh, right? You're just going to run just, into some traffic. You just, I, know, just, uh... you're just going to run into some traffic and she's going to get shuffled back pretty bad right here where she wants to go. And she just gets stopped um, right here badly. You could see she's losing her positioning. She loses about two lengths of positioning. And they're going to try to kind of back back out and angle around because that's really their only chance. There's... When you're behind, like like you were saying, the second flight, when you're in like the fourth flight of horses, you're (laughs) you're just keeping your fingers crossed, right? She's moving around now. She's trying to find some room. She's shifting. Now she's kind of going in between horses. And she's got some really good late energy. Uh, I thought this was a very nice effort from her. She's going to lose to horses that just got, you know, the jump on her in this race. She runs well. And now she'll get a little bit more ground to deal with, uh, get back to a mile where she has performed pretty well. She's not far off the six in here. 
sweet yeah. enough who's right in front of her. Both of them are making their first start back off a little yeah. bit of a break. And no real knocks on the six either, Matt, yeah. who's faced pretty good company down at Gulfstream Park. You know, this is a horse oh, who, yeah. uh, or the uh, the seven, excuse me. The seven, enough, yeah, I know. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. behind market segmentation, faith in humanity. Both of those mm-hmm. races were basically paceless races where there yep. was not any passing. Queen Goddess, you know, in the Pegasus, Philly and Mare uh, World Cup. So yeah, her form isn't bad at all. No, I, I liked her quite a bit. I mean, so she was in my top three. She was my third uh, choice here. Uh, you know, Emma Jane Wilson uh, up on the mount. So, uh, yeah, I like this one a lot. The horse that I will inevitably continue to uh, go after, and I don't love the morning line price, but I think you might actually end up getting a better price than what you're seeing on the morning line because of the effect that Moira has, um, is the number three Scottish star. Yeah. One of these days, this horse is going to get it home for me. Um, and, and when it does, it's going to be a glorious moment. Um, just, she's, she's really fast, she's man. Super honest. She's so fast and she's really honest. And she, and even after she gets headed, she doesn't give tries. up. She, she tries to battle she, she back tries really hard. And I, you know, maybe she can get to the lead. I mean, I, I actually think a one turn mile on the turf might be per good for her. Um, I just think that, that I, I just think that setup which is very distinct to Woodbine mm-hmm. of a one turn turf mile might actually just be the right sort of trip to be able to get up on the lead. You have that big sweeping turn where she's going to be able to maintain that lead. And a lot of horses don't make a move around that turn yet. And then she's going to be able to, you know, kick for home. Um, I just, I, I, three to one might be a little short of a price for me to use her. But I, like I said, I have a feeling by post time she might float up seven to two, four to one, just because Moira, I have a feeling, is going to get hammered down to like even money in all likelihood in this race. Yeah, she's tough to dismiss completely because if anybody can just steal this race, it's probably Scottish Star, who is very, yeah. very quick. And, and at we... the very least, she should be included in like all your vertical exotics because she doesn't give up. So she's going to finish in the top two or three at worst. Could be a very nice day for Relu, who has some extremely live mounts up there. We've mentioned his name a few times. Uh, Other horses that just kind of fit well in this race and wouldn't shock me to see them run well. Fev Rover, who was in that EP Taylor that we talked about, was involved in some of that trouble and was right there with Moira and with Rougier. And she should be forwardly placed a little bit. But this this might be a prep for her. She's run well enough here. But I yeah. think she's a, like wants a little longer now. So I, I I think they might be trying this just to get it under her and then stretch her out uh, in a tougher, in a better spot. I didn't and, know what and, to do with the nine. Oh, you know? I was going to say about the eight. I'll just go back to that really quick. Uh, yeah. Cassie's only like 11% off that long of a layoff. And yeah. it, it's noteworthy because you brought up his stat second off the layoff. Second off the bench. The second great is point. where you want to bet his horses. And, and that, that was my concern. I, Listen, she's got great form uh, if she can run back to it. But first time off the bench, a little worried. But you were saying about eminent victor here in the nine. Yeah, as she was sort of, um, you know, a, kind of an enigma to me. I'm probably cold on her. You were kind of mentioning when Brown goes to different spots. I mean, yeah. she went to, she went over to Pimlico. She had a little bit of trouble last time out. But, you know, the races last year, she looked like she was really starting to, to progress. And then it, it wasn't like she faced better company either. She just sort of kind of plateaued maybe right around the like the lake george and um you know i didn't really have many excuses for her i you know off connections alone she wouldn't she wouldn't shock but i i I like others more than her in here yeah i i hear you i mean the lake placid 
haughty with the moonlight. I mean, Dulce Zell. Okay. I mean, those are nice horses, but I mean, the only thing you could say is like, you know, she did have like some cut in the grass. Maybe she likes a really firm surface because you look at that October 15th race and it's good turf. Go on so a maybe mile you toss the yielding in the good. And then she had yielding. a little bit of, a little bit of trouble last yeah, time out. And, and then that's the race. first off the, yeah. First off the long layoff. And, you know, now you're getting the horse, um, you know, getting Lasix for the second time, getting back on Lasix. But um, if she's yeah, at least I, I don't this know. price, I yeah. then I could like, like what you're doing, I could talk myself into her. Sure. If she is around eight to one, right? Sure. I don't want to take totally much agree. any shorter than that on her. But if she's in that yeah. range, yeah, I, I could, I can make some excuses for some of those races like you did. And, and, yeah. make, and at a price, I can always make excuses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what we're doing. And that's what's nice about these yep. daily racing form past performances. When you dive on in, you can take a look at the charts, the race replays, the pedigree information, the trainer statistics, like we have mentioned. Uh, fun weekend coming up at Woodbine. 11 races, five graded stakes races. It is Canada Day and a huge one. Uh, one more time, you can go to woodbine.com for anything you need. That $100,000 is guaranteed in the early pick five post time, 1 10 p.m. Eastern time, five graded stakes races and big, big fields. Maddie, what's up for you this weekend? Uh, what are you going to be doing with Trust the Profits or any uh, win play shows, capping the cards? Uh, give I us got, the plugs. Yeah, I got capping the card coming out on. Uh, Friday morning. Uh, I need to get my day straight here, but Friday morning, that's going to be coming out for uh, Ellis Park. So I'm going to be covering the, the 11 races there, including obviously the grade one, Stephen Foster. Um, that's going to be my primary thing. And then obviously, listen, if you're up in Canada and you're a fan of Canadian racing, make sure to come back and check out our Monday night live streams on Trust the Profits, where we do uh, all seven races at Assiniboia and also get you ready for the stable duel contests up there. Uh, and I also have a specific capping the card for uh, Assiniboia Mondays as well. So you can find all that stuff if you just follow me on Twitter at, at Failed to Menace. What's cool is on Mondays, if you, you want to kick back and just have something fun to do while you're at home, you know, mm -hmm. uh, having a drink on a Monday night and eating your dinner, Matt goes over a lot of the card and then mm -hmm. hangs out throughout the card. They mm -hmm. at DRF, you can get free PPs um, again all throughout the month of July if you purchase any other Monday track. So if you just purchase one other track, then you can get free Assiniboia PPs every Monday. Wow. So you'll get free PPs. You get a bunch of help from Matt and other guests. I'm gonna pop in there a lot with Matt yep. moving forward on some Mondays. And yeah, it's a it's a ton of fun. They have low takeout in the wind pools. Uh, fourteen point six five percent, which is some of the lowest that you'll find. They have stable dual games. If you're a fan of contest, every single week and every day that they're racing, it's a good product and it's a lot of fun. And Matt knows it really, really well, so make sure to follow him. And uh, Maddie, thank you so much, buddy. Like always, anytime I ask for help, you come a running, and I really appreciate <laughs> it. And I'm glad we had some good races to dive into too. I didn't have to, I didn't have to twist your arm a whole lot. We had some good fields and some quality racing. Absolutely. No, this is a lot of fun, Gino. I always appreciate you having me on. Okay, folks, uh, make sure to give Matt a follow. If you're watching on social media, thanks so much for hanging out with us. If you're listening on the podcast, there will be a lot more coming. Don't go anywhere. Big thank you to Matt for helping us out with the Saturday races from Woodbine. What a good card up there on Saturday. We'll be talking a lot more about Woodbine racing here on That's What G Said coming up over the next few months. 
We'll move into Ellis Park in just a minute. First, we want to let you know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of great folks that she's worked with, she has experience with. Maybe you need help with the lender process. She can connect you to the right type of lenders that will help expedite that process for you, for the home loans that will make that so much easier for you. That's what she wants to do. Make your life easier. Her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. Let's move to Saturday over at Ellis Park. It's Stephen Foster Day. These races are initially supposed to be run at Churchill Downs, but they have been moved to Ellis. Six stakes races on the card. Barry Spears joins me to dive on in. Fun weekend of racing coming up, and it's actually races that were normally scheduled for Churchill Downs, but they're going to be run at Ellis Park because of some issues at Churchill Downs in abundance of caution. They've moved the rest of the Churchill Downs meet to Ellis Park, so a big day like Stephen Foster's Saturday, Barry, will now be run at Ellis Park, only in horse racing. Do you see (laughs) things like this, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a a little wild, weird kind of you know, situation, but, uh, I'm, but safety I'm sure comes I, first, right? Safety first. And, and I think everybody will make the best of it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, we have some nice horses showing up some good races. There are six stakes races on Saturday. We're going to dive into the daily racing form, past performances, the formulator PPs, and take a look. If you want to follow along with us, we'll be looking at races three, six, and then, uh, the late pick four races, eight through 11, all stakes races on the card with the feature, the grade one, Steven Foster. So lots of ground to cover. Let's get right on into it. And we'll start in race number three. This one's on the grass, Barry. It's the Ali Sheba. It is uh, a mile and a 16th for three-year-olds. And it's not the biggest field in the world, but it did seem like even with this field of six, that at least a few of them want to be forwardly placed in here. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, looking at this race initially thought that um, it, it may get a little speedy up front, mm-hmm. even though there's not many horses in here. I, I mean, obviously, Mo Stash, that's that's his strong suit. Um, so you, you, you can expect that one to be forwardly placed. Desert Duke has won on the lead a couple of times. The yep. two wins he has, he's been right on the, on the engine. Um, Gigante, number four, yep. another one speed 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 you could even say hidden path may want to go yep up and be forwardly placed and you know we've we've talked about it here plenty of times between here and the the stable duel shows on on friday and you know lone closers mm-hmm. doesn't happen all that often but when it does you got to capitalize and i i think that's sharar yeah in this race absolutely I mean, has has a little bit of class, you know, been running in stakes overseas over in uh, Maidan and comes here, ran one OK race in the Autobahn back on June 3rd. But I think that was that was just kind of the, to get that the one tune up. 
Right. And you know what? He hit, he was in a little tight early. He kind of got squeezed back to last in that race. And then he ended up getting hooked really wide in a small field. So you get a little bit of trouble and then you're wide in a small field. It's your first start in a few months. It's your first start for the barn. Now Pletcher has been able to get you figured out a little bit. He puts the blinkers on. He can make, um, you know, any kind of adjustments needed. And I think he's just exactly what you did is what I did in the process of elimination. Cause I could absolutely see the two sitting a trip to Wadsworth and yeah. Okay. Maybe he sits off the pace a little bit. He came from off of it last time out, but he's, his actually better races come when he's pretty close. And if we're just talking about price in this race, who gets the trip, it sort of all leads us to Sharar. Yeah. That's, that's how, you know, we really kind of eliminate the others, you know, but there's always that that situation that, that scares people. We're like, oh well, maybe one of these horses will get out mm-hmm. there and go. But it, it that's a tough read in this kind of race. You kind of yeah. have to figure there there it's it's probably going to be an honest pace up front, if not quick. Yeah, I very much agree. And uh, yeah, we look to the outside horse who should be ready to take a nice step forward. Um, you know, Wadsworth was impressive last time out, and we'll see if they can get more back into that tracking spot. But this is a race that looks like it's uh, setting up for someone from off the pace. Barry and I both go to the outside with Sharar as the uh, the intriguing horse to uh, to play second time in the U.S. Let's continue along. Let's move to race number six. Now, we are recording this on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, a couple of the racetracks canceled because there's uh, some fires in Canada and a lot of the smoke has been blown in. Um, there's... This has happened a couple times uh, recently in the last few weeks. So a lot of tracks canceled. There were a couple stakes races at at uh, Indy, and they canceled. And in, in one of those races, Fordon Hill was going to run. Now, since that race was taken out, I wonder if he's going to run in this spot or just wait for the next time that they write that race at Indy. Because if he is in this spot, I sort of thought he – he was an interesting horse to throw in if you're playing any kind of multi-exotics as a horse who could kind of bounce back. I think he was in a little tough last time out, but he has some good races. But he's sort of just like a wild card based on if he's going to run or not. Um, from a talking standpoint, Barry, Bango is super honest. He's a six-year-old. He's a 12-time winner. He's done a lot of his good work over at Churchill, though. Um, so this moving to Ellis probably doesn't help him quite as much. Then you have... Tejano twist. He's probably like the horse to beat at six and a half. Cause he's a late runner and he, he will come closing. He just needs that sort of pace set up. I kind of thought the five was a real wild card in here, making his first start at four because he will need to improve a little based off of last year's speed figures, but he absolutely could do that in his first start at four. Um, not really sure what to take from him. How did you see this race playing out? Um, I, I kind of thought Bango was a standout here. Um, he's so honest, man. Yeah, he's definitely honest. He's he's just been running faster races, you know, collectively than everybody else. And he, he kind of looks like he, he might dominate this race. Um, he's super I, I, versatile, too. Yeah, like he, he doesn't need the lead. He can be close up. He can be a little bit farther back, you know, when, when needed. Um, he's just super honest. He, he's... I really don't have too many knocks on him in this race, but I do think you're right about Fortin Hill. If that one runs in here, um, he's definitely a, a good one to, to kind of put underneath. Um, Miles Ahead has been running in, in good company all year long, but kind of 
seems like he's he's a cut below this level yeah. or this caliber of horse. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I certainly expect him to do what he normally does, but you know, finishing second, I, I just don't think he's a win candidate. Um, Happy Jack is just a dead closer; probably won't get a, a good trip. Uh, surveillance is another one that has to come from far back, and Tejano Twist. So, you know, it's like half the field wants to be forwardly placed, half the field doesn't. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think Bango is probably, with his versatility, probably the the uh, standout here. This is the race that kicks off the pick six sequence. Uh, Bango two to one on the morning line, and I do agree he's going to make the third start of his form cycle. And his recent races have been so so good. So he's he seems like of this group, he's the top of them. I think they'll really have to beat him. Um, we mentioned uh, the wild card of the one. If if this one does come in, Bango the horse to beat in here. I just couldn't. Yeah. Like you said, Tahano twist is fine. Like you sort of know what you're going to get from him. He always comes running. If they go really, really fast, he can get the type of setup that wins and six and a half and seven are probably even better for him than six, you know, just based on his running style. Yeah. But I don't know if he's necessarily going to get that trip because a horse like Bango is probably going to have a few lengths on him. Mm-hmm. Right. And he doesn't need, like you're saying, if they go fast, he's fine. Just sitting off it a little bit. So he's, He's probably going to be pretty tough in here. I will keep an eye on the five just for next time more so. Like if he runs well here, I would be very interested in, in playing him back in his next start. He'll probably need this race. I want to see some improvement because he didn't do much wrong last year. Um, can he grow up a little bit? He's bred yeah. beautifully. You know, First I just time in stakes company, you know, yeah. if, if he does stub his toe here and doesn't run that great, you, you kind of expect that. Um you know, usually they bounce back from from that effort, that initial effort in stakes company, and then run better the next time. So, who knows? It's a really interesting race. You know, um, dynamics of, of everything. You know, with half the horses that are kind of forwardly placed and half not. Yeah, that is race number six, the second of the six stakes races on the Saturday card over at Ellis Park. The races on the Stephen Foster card that were moved from Churchill Downs. Let's move to race number eight. This one kicks off in all stakes pick four for races eight, nine, 10, and 11. It's the grade two Fleur de Lis. We have Phillies and Mares, four-year-olds and up. And the headliner in here, Barry, is Amorier, who is in really, really nice form right now. She had won three in a row, including the grade one Beholder Mile. And then she was in the La Troyenne. And just looking at the at the effort when she was fourth in that race, she hopped at the start. She was really slow early. She was ninth of 10. She angled out to the eight path at the top of the lane. Um, She shifted inside late. It was pretty good. And the horses who are in front of her are all very, very nice. Um, I don't have many knocks on her from just a, a a talking point and a starting point in this race. She seems Mm. like she's in really good form. Yeah, she definitely is. um, You know, obviously on paper, the horse to beat, one thing I do notice about her is she likes to rally wide, pretty wide almost every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody can get the jump on that horse, would probably be at a Way to distinct advantage. Yeah. Um, and I don't see too much speed in this race. So this might be a, a, a chance to get this one. And, and the horse that kind of jumped out to me was Royal Take Charge. Yeah. Um, I think that horse might be able to kind of get to the front and and dictate the pace, whether she's good enough or not to finish it off is another story. But 
I, she's I gonna she's get gonna the trip you're right looking spot. for. Yeah. 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 The the other one for me, there are three horses to me to that I thought about using in, in multi exotics here in, in or in some way, shape, or form. The the six who we just talked about, Amorier, the three, and then the one was just a total wild card. You know, Bellamore hasn't won on the dirt, but if you dive into those races individually, look at the last two of them. She was second in graded stakes races behind nice horses. She ran behind played hard. The same horse that beat Amorier. In fact, she was closer to play hard than Amorier was. When we're talking about trips, I think from the inside, they could get aggressive with her. I don't know if she gets the lead, but I could see her sitting like second or third from the inside and getting the jump, like you said, on Amorier. So I don't, I don't, you know, on speed figures, she's not quite where Amorier is, but I think if you took her Amorier out of the race, she's Bellamore sort of right there with the rest of them. And I, th- I think she might get dismissed because people will look at her and say, she's not really a dirt horse, but I'm looking at those last two dirt races. They weren't bad at all. She just hasn't won her and her overall three of her first four dirt starts were in the first few races of her career. She ran second, second, then a long layoff. She came back and she ran fourth. And then the only other dirt race prior to her last two was in the Santa Margarita when she was well, well distanced that day. So, you know, looking at the trip, I think we were, we were seeing this race play out the same way. If you can beat Amorier, can you get the jump on her? Right. And that, that's, that's really going to be the, the whole key to beating that horse in this race, because in the rest of them really like to launch from way back, like Pauline's Pearl, she just I'm really cold on have her. Much, yeah, she doesn't have much speed early, and she she doesn't like to win races. Yeah, the last two she like she just doesn't. There's no reason why she shouldn't have run a little bit better in the Beholder Mile. And then if we if we want to make an excuse for her in that race, because let's say she just didn't ship well to Santa Anita, she's run her best races at Churchill, and I know that was a tough group, but that just wasn't that good of a race in the La Troyenne from her. It, it really wasn't. No, I mean she she hasn't really done much. Um, since coming back she won that that stake at sam houston um back in january but that wasn't really all that great of a field no um and and she's kind of stepped backwards since then so i'm not too high on her and i and i think you know hardy constitution it might be a little bit phony in this spot too um and that horse might take a little bit of action yeah um coming off of three straight wins is probably you know the hot horse kind of deal um, but I don't really think she's particularly that good or at I'm least make her prove it at this. It, yeah, me too. exactly. At this me too. level. Cause I completely, I think she's going to be shorter than I would want to take her for, I think her chances of winning this race. So, cause she's going to just need to improve a lot off of her speed figures in here just to compete. Might be second choice. These. Actually, yeah. you know, uh, You're starting to look between at her and, and Pauline's Pearl. You're right. And if you people know, are cold on Pauline's Pearl a little bit, like we are, or we're just talking it out. I could see her being a horse that gets a, gets some money. So, yeah, I mean, I, I prefer the three and the one, though. Those would be my alternatives if I'm trying to yeah, beat. Yeah, the, the one Amoria. is very interesting um, because of the price. Yeah. If if you can get a, over five to one on this horse, she may float you, might, up. you might be able to get. I think so. Um, she, she might be worth a play. Um, yeah. Or definitely in, you know, late pick four, pick fives, that kind of stuff is definitely an include. But, you know, those races on dirt that, that she has were pretty good mm-hmm. against better competition. Now she's sort of dropping in a little bit, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the race shape kind of favors her a little bit because she's going to be forwardly placed. So 
Yeah. Um, Save some ground from the inside. Yeah, we're going to try to beat Moray here. Mm-hmm. Let's get to race number nine. This one is the Wise Dan, the grade two Wise Dan going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. We have a grade two race, Barry. What's interesting about this field is it really feels <clears throat> like you have set piece who's a proven graded stakes horse and then everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it doesn't much. necessarily mean he's a cinch to win, especially with his running style, right? He comes from way, way out of it. But when you just look at everyone's accomplishments and their resumes, this is a millionaire. This is a multiple graded stakes winner. The rest of this field are horses who have like had a cup of coffee or two with graded stakes company, right? But they're not really yeah. proven at that level. So that's what makes it interesting. I think from a handicapping standpoint, you might be able to you might be able to find a couple prices in here because if you don't like set piece or if you're just kind of using him and then everyone else, you might look at this field and think initially, oh, I don't know if this horse can win this race or a graded stakes race, but keep in mind it's not that strong of a race overall, right? I think you really only have a few really, really tough horses. But is set piece going to get the kind of trip? How do you think this thing shapes up? And that's the thing, you know, is, is what kind of trip is set piece going to get? I, I mean, is it going to be fast enough up front for this horse to close into? Because, I mean, he, he's just a dead closer. Just comes from way downtown. And it's it's amazing that this horse is four to five on the morning line. I, I in, in this kind of race, with these set of horses, nobody should be four four to five <laughs> um looks good on on paper sort of um you know you see all the times that this horse was favored and lost that kind of sticks out to me in in you're right you know I, I i just don't think that set piece is a foregone conclusion in this race no uh a horse that that really piqued my interest was the one harlan estate absolutely um if you look at this horse's turf outings Going back to let's go back to the October third, twenty twenty one. That was a, a state bred stake up at Woodbine at a mile and a half, and I don't think that is the right ideal distance for this horse. So you can toss that one. Then the next time the horse runs on grass was June twenty uh, June twelfth, twenty twenty two, at a mile. Wins. They got off the turf. Went back on in the grade two King Edwards in August 21st last year and ran a, a good second to Philo Di Ariana, who's not a bad not, horse at no, all. No, nice horse. Um, then they brought him over. Synthetic a couple the, times. Again. Right. Synthetic, then down to Gulfstream in a mile and a half off the bench, which I don't think they even expected <laughs> to run well there, This kind of to get this horse on the track. Um, you know, something went wrong, and the horse ran in the McKnight, then went to Turfway, ran at Turfway, didn't do anything, laid off until May, and then comes back running. Two turf races, two decent efforts, one behind set piece, who was kind of closing after getting a, uh, a pretty terrible start and uh, closed into set piece. Or, and you know, and at, it, was, at, it was weird, too, because he was inside of set piece in that race. And and set they started to kind of move together, but set piece was just moving a little bit better than him initially. And then right. he started to move like really well and moved up the inside and like angled off the rail in between horses. And he was coming started late. coming, right? It, it was really good late energy. And now, like you said, 
you feel like there was something that went wrong in that McKnight and then in the race back to back following it. Right. So when that happens and a horse is off, it sometimes takes them like two or three races to get back to it. Right. And there may even be one more step forward now for this horse after putting these two good races together. Like I think he may be able to take another leap forward. He, he really fits, fits well to me, Barry. Um, I thought the three inside horses were the ones if you were looking for prices, because sort of how I was um, plotting this race out. If you look at a horse like Tut's Revenge, you wouldn't initially think this is a graded stakes horse on the grass. But then you just start diving into his overall turf form, even his recent form on the dirt. Like he's been running behind horses like Skelly and Sir Wellington. You know, Skelly has won five in a row with buyers of 102. Uh, Look at take a look at who Skelly is. you know, just sprinting on the dirt. This is a legitimate horse. Five in a row with monster speed figures. A horse like Sir Wellington, who was the runner-up, came back to win next time out. I followed Tut's Revenge for a while because he's been a horse that's run on sort of the lower-level circuits sometimes. But going like about this mile on the turf, that's actually his game. You you know, you look back at his turf form overall, he can kind of sit close and and hang around. Um, he was the type of horse who's going to get a major, major jump on a horse like set piece. Um, and then the other one for me is a horse that we've talked about a few different times. Camp hope. He sort of put it together last time out and he's capable of really big races. He's just not all that consistent. He'll throw in some clunkers here and there, but he has some big races that really can compete with those. I'm if I'm trying to beat set piece in here, I might be using combinations of the three inside horses. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. Um, another horse that kind of caught my attention was the six. Absolutely. Kitten set. Uh, yeah. That, that one has, you know, kind of the same sort of feel as uh, tons as of upside on the turf camp hope. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is a race that's ripe for that. I mean, you got a horse in set piece that, you know, maybe on the kind of downside of his career, <laughs> Um, or at the know, very least, of, he's spotting everybody a couple lengths in here, right? Yes, All I, of these horses. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, it just seems ripe for, for somebody else other than set piece to win this race. Good, like strong connections who are having good meets here. Third start of the form cycle, third start off the layoff. This horse just completely missed the break on April the 20th. So put a line right through that race. Don't even bother looking at it. Came back and was really good on June the 4th. Lots of upside there. Um, you know, you start diving into his career. He hasn't been beaten a whole lot. He, you know, in this race, he was sixth. He was beaten like three quarters of a length. He ran really well in a strong race with Run Classic and uh, Happy American. So he's another. That's what is kind of fun. There are a few that are, I think, good alternatives if you don't like set piece or you think maybe with his running style, that makes this race an equalizer. Like that is the equalizer, you know, his his late running style. Um, few different directions to go, and all of them should offer you really nice value. I can tell you, I'm I'm not using set piece at all in any no. So no, if that horse it, wins, I do not. Yeah, <laughs> no. And if he's that short of a price, and you're using right. a few others, Why would you, you should. want him anyway. No, right. and there's in in this sequence and throughout the day, there are a couple of the other short prices that I like better, that yeah. I would be more willing to play. Right, like even we talked about Amorier oh, versus this horse or Bango, right? <laughs> yeah. Those two, Bango in particular, who looks like a really good spot, and I would much rather use Amorier versus this horse, who I think that like Amorier will have a better sort of trip or just overall kind of not as beatable with that stone cold running style. 
uh, set piece will be really short and will be fun to take a shot against in this late pick four. Let's get to the Stephen Foster. We have a, a really contentious group here, Barry. Uh, you know, you look through the field, Proxy is four to one on the morning line. Proxy and Saleto Boy have traded decisions in their last two. Saleto Boy, six to one. Saleto Boy is always there or thereabouts in these races. Super tough. Speed bias is honest. He's on the upswing. If you like Smile Happy or Rattle and Roll, he wasn't that far behind either one of them. And he keeps taking steps forward. Rattle and Rolls won three in a row. Smile Happy has looked really good as a four-year-old so far. West Will Power, he just keeps running big race after big race after big race. He has five straight 100 buyer speed figures. And then you have Last Samurai, who's a multiple graded stakes winner. He's capable of big efforts. And Happy American, he's the long shot. He's kind of tailed off recently. I thought it was a, a pretty strong field where you could at least make cases Maybe you don't know, maybe strong, contentious either way, but it's competitive here. Yes. Yeah. It, it's it's light on star power, but good on competition. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's pretty evenly matched here. Um, but I, I, I did notice that this pace might get a little hot up mm-hmm. front. Um, if you looked at the race last time for Smile Happy and West Willpower, they basically ran one, two the whole way around uh, for most of that race uh, in the Ali Sheba back May 5th at Churchill. If that plays out somewhat similarly, where those two horses are going up front, then you want to add in speed bias who will need to, to be forward placed. Yep. Stiletto boy, add that one close. into that mix. Yep. Right. Then then you might have a, a situation where this pace might be faster than than they really want Mm -hmm. and i just think that coming into this race and with that in mind last samurai looks like the horse for me nice Uh, giving him a bounce back shot yes because yes if you just eliminate his last race and play him off of his form prior to that even the pegasus was not bad it's better than it might look right he was fourth and remember there was no passing that day in the pegasus they were not passing at all so I agree with you. He's going to be in the mix for me. I had, be, because of the, the way that you mapped it out, I had one, five, and seven as the horses who I like. Because I think Proxy and Last Samurai are the two that are the most likely to get the off-the-pace trip that you're projecting. Who's the, the, the most for sure closers? And then I I think of any of the horses that might be able to take back a little bit, it could be smile happy. Maybe they just showed a little bit more speed last time out uh, based on a good break. You're right there. You just go on with it. He hasn't always been a need lead for sure speed horse. And I wonder if, you know, looking at his form, I think, I think the April 1st race, he, he may have bounced a little bit just coming back so quickly off of his big March 16th race, right? Then he's back two weeks later on April the 1st. And the race shape wasn't really up to him because Hopper just sort of kicked on there. Um, I, I think he's, to me, of the shorter prices, he'll probably be in the mix for me because I could see him adapting to that pace. But you you laid it out perfectly because I think West Will Power has to go and Speed Bias has to go. And then you see Smile Happy showed a lot more speed last time out. So I think he's going to be forwardly placed at least 
So with the combination of those horses, Stiletto Boy is always right there. You have three to maybe four speed horses in this race. I need it. I need the two closers for sure. I think the one and the seven. Yeah, I mean, West Willpower. You know, if if Smile Happy doesn't press that horse last time, West Willpower probably wins. He's honest too, and it's hard to knock yeah. him, right? It it, is, this- it really is. But if he gets any kind of pressure. He's he, he's up against. He backs it. up. Yeah. Right. And 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 I think that's pretty much what Smile Happy's gonna wait for. Mm-hmm. Because if if that horse, I mean, I guess it, it, it's it's okay that he drew inside of West Willpower for this, um, because then he'll be inside or outside of speed bias. So if that horse goes, then there's a there's kind of a, a situation a where go Smile Happy can, can just right slide behind. right in. Yeah. Right. And and you know, basically. Uh, Smile Happy and, and Last Samurai probably be kind of vying for that same spot in the second, you know, second flight right behind the leaders. And, you know, it, it's just a matter of trip from there. Um, but let's just say Speed Bias doesn't get a good break or something. Then that kind of forces Smile Happy's hand, I yeah. think. Unless Stiletto Boy wants to run too. And, and that's always a possibility. But you know, it's just it's it's got to be a wait and see approach with and Smile Happy. It's a and that's what makes this race really fascinating. Yeah, it's too. A really. It's a fun race to handicap because, like we're saying, like Stiletto Boy is super honest, but some races he's usually he's always forwardly placed, but some races he sits off a little bit. But if they decide to go, he changes. You know, he could really change the complexion of this race if he's super aggressive versus if he sits off of it a little bit. Um, I, and like him and both the two and the five are kind of real keys to the race, mm-hmm. right? Because they could sit a little bit. They could both go a little bit. And then if neither of them go, all of a sudden the two speed horses like West Will Power and you look at speed bias, like if this race had a little bit less speed than we're projecting, I would probably want to give him a look because he's the type of horse I like to play when he's honest and he's not far behind other horses who are going to be way shorter than him. You know, yeah. rattle and roll is going to be four to one. Smile happy is going to be five to two. And this horse is going to be double digits. And, oh, yeah. and he that, wasn't those are the ones you definitely got to take a shot with. You know, he wasn't too far behind them. It's just race shape wise. Is it going to shape up for him? That's that's the only concern here. Um, but a, a, a really cool race, like a really fun race to discuss and to dive into when you have, you know, looking at the, the betting board, you have one horse that's over 12 to one. And then the other, you know, six horses are all in the like six to one ish range. Everybody's so, going to be four to one. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, that's the Stephen Foster. That's race number 10. Let's finish things up with the Teppin one mile on the turf course. This is going to go as race number 11. And I was looking at this race, finding a lot of kind of pressers in here too. Um, one horse who I need on my ticket for sure is the four wonderful lady. Now I'm, I know if you look at her at first glance, she's not quite up to the rest of the field or up to some of the top ones based on speed figures, but just watching her race visually and looking at the rest of the field, I think the one from the inside is probably going to want to be forwardly placed. The only time she stretched out, she went to the lead and she won. So I'd imagine they're going to want to be close again. Safine has a little versatility, but she doesn't want to be too far out of it. I think they're going to be close. Saez, usually very forwardly placed. Heavenly Sunday has been right on the lead in the last two. 
With Giroux, you usually get a good amount of speed. So those three inside horses all want to go. Uh, the five wants to sit a little bit, but wants to press and sit. Metaphysical doesn't want to be too far out of it. Girl named Charlie is probably the only one that really wants to sit a little bit. Uh, she got caught up a little closer last time out. I think it was because she had trouble two back and they wanted to just really give her a chance last time out. And she just really wasn't good enough. And then Santa Fe gold wants to go. Um, so Barry, I could see this being like a really, really honest pace in here. Yeah. I, I, I think you might be right. Um, but I also think heavenly Sunday can sit. She can to, sit too. Yeah. She, she, she's very versatile and, and will, will probably not want to be on the lead here. Um, and that, probably to her benefit um i i i actually been high on this horse um since the beginning back mm-hmm. in, you know last september uh and this horse is getting better which is which is a great thing and this is a good spot for this horse now if you're gonna look to beat this horse to beat heavenly sunday i kind of took a real long look at number six metaphysical nice if you look at that race on April 1st, the Sanibel Island <clears throat> at Gulfstream, seven and a half on the turf. This horse got beat by a horse uh, by the name of Breathaway, who came out of this race and finished a bang up second in the hilltop at Pimlico on, uh, on uh, I think it's the day before the Preakness, uh, to a horse named Spray, who, who I saw run at, at uh, Tampa, who was kind of one of those Chad Brown ringers <laughs> yep. that show up in a race in a stake race for the first time and just probably was kind of a standout. This horse but Mohawk that... Trail just won a race at uh, Woodbine last week too. Won exactly. This, won the Alley it, Wow, the stakes that race. That was a pretty good race. And even mm-hmm. the race before that uh, for Metaphysical on February 4th, going to mile 16th at Gulfstream. Well, she was just behind beat... Heavenly Sunday exactly. in that race. And she was 50 to one and she was not far behind Heavenly exactly. Sunday. Exactly. She was only two lengths off the lead at 58 to one and was right there. So this horse has some potential to, to kind of shake things up. If she she can't win some horses, right right. underneath, at least exactly. If she can't win, I think she's going to make some noise in, in the exotics here. Um, So for me, for me, the horses I'm looking at kind of keying around this middle group, if I'm going to play like exact as try supers, I like the four a little bit, the three, I for sure agree. There's the horse to beat. I think the five can probably sit good and the six is the other price. Like it, Chierga, uh, Kigera is what, uh, Travis Stone was going with. Kigera. Uh, that's what, that's what Stone was going with. So I'm going to, I'm going to listen. He's, he's sharp. He knows, he knows his stuff. Um, this horse was ass at the top of the lane, kind of pounced, opened up. It was a pretty easy W. I think there's some ability here. If you just eliminate the Breeders' Cup race, this horse hasn't done much wrong. So I would go up the middle. With the with the exotics here, probably three, four, five, and six. Let's use the bulk of them in exotics. I I tried to get girl uh, named Charlie last time. She was a little disappointing because uh, she had that trouble trip. Then she came back and they got more forwardly placed with her, and she was sitting nice. She just didn't have it. Uh, didn't have anything last time out. Um, let's see. Anything else you want to mention here about race number? Yeah. 11? Um. The the five. What What did you say? Tejera. Kiera. Kiera, yeah. okay, yeah, it shows how much I can yeah. pronounce things. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not really too sure what to make of this horse, other than the fact that it's going to be hard to take that horse at a short price. I don't. That's what I mean. I'm I, the price. You is know, super short. 
Yeah, it's way short. too short. I, I don't think this horse is going to be that short. But I, I don't either. It's possible. I mean, honestly, she, she's got one win at, at a, you know, the maiden at Saratoga Sunday last Sunday should be year. favored over her. Yes. I would, I would, I would prefer, like, of, of the two short prices. I, I mean, I, I don't know what the appeal is here to, to be favored or have that horse be favored. But. She feels like she should be more like five to one, honestly. Yeah, something this, like that. In this race. You know, four and to one, five to one. Yeah, because um, she can sit up close and she hasn't been bad. But, no, I, I completely agree with you. Heavenly Sunday's resume overall is very good. She's honest. She's shown more speed lately. We also know she can pass horses. I think she is the horse to beat in here as we look at these uh, – daily racing form past performances. There's going to be a big sale that starts on the, the fourth uh, for 4th of July, I believe starts on Thursday. Barry and I will send out some tweets about that oh, yeah. in the next few days and let you all know as uh, the summer meets get ready to start. There's going to be a lot of reason to head to DRF.com to, uh, to get your past performances or any of the tools you need. Barry, my friend, let the folks out there know about, going in circles, big Mondays, everything you got going on with Chuck Simon over there and uh, anything else you want to plug. Yeah. Going in circles every Monday, big Monday. We do our thing. Uh, we're going to try to start uh, mixing it up, maybe having some guests on and things like that. We're, we're going to try to, to, to venture out a little bit and do some new stuff. So definitely keep an eye out there. You know, see me on Twitter at urban handicapper, U R B N handicapper. I'm there all day, every day. Hit me up. Let's talk some races. Barry, buddy, thank you so much. You, uh, like always, you are a superhero to me. I put out the bat <laughs> signal, and you are there. I say, Barry, can you help me out talking about some of these Churchill stakes? Absolutely no problem. Love you, my friend. Thank you for the help, as always, and uh, let's have a great rest of the week. All right, man. Let's do it. Folks, thanks so much. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Subscribe to the podcast. That's what G said. I've been putting a lot of these segments individually on social media. So if you like to look at the past performances and you like to follow along, you can always do so. And you can watch on my YouTube, on Twitter, or if you just like to listen to the podcast, I'll always pull the audio from these and put them on the podcast. So you can uh, you can flip and listen when you're uh, driving around or doing any of your daily errands and chores. Have a great rest of your week, folks, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Big thank you to Barry Spears for helping us out. Make sure to give Barry a follow on social media. He does a great job on there, um, always answering questions, helping people out, fun follow on Twitter. Now, if you are looking for a gift for someone in your life, friend, family member, you're not sure what to get, why not a candle? And why not a candle that is a little bit better for you? All natural soy wax candles, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. I'm talking about saracandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, created by one of my friends. Um, he just made these candles trying to find the best, healthiest candle, and they worked. And now they have mass-produced Sarah candles, C-E-R-A candles.com for all of you out there, all different sizes that you need. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Different scents for different seasons, different moods, but always healthier and better for you with no toxins, no carcinogens, and no pollutants. SarahCandles.com. Use that promo code Gino for 10% off your purchase. Let's get into the Belmont Pick 5 for Saturday. Late Pick 5 coming up.
It is coming up on the 4th of July holiday. So Daily Racing Forum has a 4th of July sale starting on Thursday. So if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, it is going now all the way through Tuesday, the 4th of July. You can get up to 50% off on past performances, selections, clocker reports, digital paper, whatever you use as a tool, you can take advantage of the sale right now. And you can use these credits for some of the meets coming up. So think about the timing right now with Del Mar and Saratoga coming up. You're going to be playing the races from those summer meets all the time. Save right now on the classic past performances on the formulator. You're going to need the clocker reports for the the two-year-olds and the baby races coming up in the summer. Take advantage now of the savings. And we are going to get ready to dive on into the Belmont Park Pick 5 for Saturday. Don't forget about this sale all throughout the uh, the week, all the way up to Tuesday on the 4th of July. So let's get into Belmont Park for Friday. I'm going to pull up the daily racing form past performances. I'm always using the formulator PPs because I think they make it really easy for us to dive around from charts to race replays to find anything we really want um, and, and how we can uh, we can get through each of these, you know, different forms of handicapping with with ease you know you don't have to have a bunch of different tabs all up as you go through the past performances let's start with the dwyer and uh, you have saudi crown who's two for two very impressive in both races so far for brad cox right next door harrodsburg showed really good speed in both starts and you'd expect this guy to be very quick the horse to beat is fort bragg he ran a bang up race in that pat day mile just a too good to lose type race after a slow start he's drawn well towards the outside of the speeds so you feel like he should be able to sit a nice trip joey freshwater is actually a graded stakes winner but he's going to need to improve against this group that just seems like a, a little tougher group than than some of the competition that he's faced so i'm the way i'm seeing this race play up what's kind of interesting the horse who's a true closer is the four now alternate reality is a cut below some of the others in here but I'm going to use him if I'm playing a pick five or any type of exotics because there are versions of this race where he's one of the only horses closing late at a mile. Now, he will need to improve because Fort Bragg's the horse to beat. And I think with the way Fort Bragg is drawn in here, he'll be able to sit off. So I, f- I feel like he's going to be tough. Saudi Crown in Harrodsburg, I really want to make them prove it a little bit more because it feels like they'll have some speed to the inside from prove right Saudi crown and Harrodsburg will both be stretching out to a mile for the first time. So they'll be going farther and they've already shown speed in those sprint races. I think they're going to want to be right on the lead Fort Bragg will be able to sit off a little bit, but it could set up nicely if a a horse like alternate reality can at least be passing some horses late. So maybe a, a little bit of a wild card here with Fort Bragg as the horse to beat. And then, uh, I would, you know, use Saudi crown maybe underneath if you were thinking about going deeper like that, but no four or five for me, uh, in this sixth race in the Dwyer, let's move to the seventh race. I thought the two variety was a little intriguing in here just from a, a wild card. going to try to get the lead. This horse showed some really good ability in his first two starts, but he's a four-year-old who's only raced four times. So he's been his own worst enemy. He's had a tough time staying on the track. Debuted in September of 2021, then he was off to April of 2022. He raced twice, and then he's off for almost a year. Comes back to the races, 
I think you can just put a line right through that May 19th race. Following that, he's come back. He's worked four times. You don't have any sort of a drop. And then they stretch him out. The plan should be to get aggressive. There's really not that much other speed in here. Kind of looking through the rest of the field. I think if he wants the lead, he can take it. Daddy knows is shown a little bit of speed recently, but if he, if the two stretching out from these sprint races wants it, I think it's his for the taking 12th man South street sits off a little bit. Winter's lion can be close up. He's a horse. So I might use underneath, but getting back to the two, I think he can try to take this field gate to wire the one bad to the bones. He's probably like the measuring stick for this race. That was a pretty good effort last time out. His two races for Mott have been good. I'd use the two and the one in the bulk of the exotics if you're looking for a price, possibly the eight. No real knocks on horses like, uh, so Winter's Lions would be in the mix for me. No real knocks on like the three and the four. I just, because these horses have earned good speed figures against New York Bread Company recently. I just sort of want to make them prove it. Brew Pub is a horse who's done a lot of finishing second and third throughout his career. Daddy Knows has been in good form right now. Those last two races, really no knocks. Both of them against New York Breds. Now we'll step back up into open company. But we'll put the uh, the inside horses on top, two and the one for me, eight as the, uh, the price horse in here. In the eighth race, looking a little bit at the 11 more than work. You know, I thought his last race wasn't bad. And I, I think, you know, it's a live race so far, the June 4th race, pioneering spirit. We've seen win three race in a row, just came back and win the other day. Third place finisher, born gambler, came back to win. More than work was third, then moved up to second, was pressing, moved to the lead, opened up two, and just got run down by a sharp horse. And he was a clear second that day. Pioneering spirit came back to win a first level allowance race following that. So that form got even better. And he can sit pretty close and... You sort of look overall at his turf form. It's really not bad. He doesn't have a bad turf race. The post isn't ideal, but the price is. Following the 11, the 2 is probably the horse to beat. Timbuk 2 just missed last time out at the level behind Royal Spirit. You have the 6, Shinshun. I think can improve second start off the bench in the mix for me. And the 12 also, Kingfish Stevens. Coming out of the Murphy, didn't think it was that poor of an effort last time out. Sort of overall, pretty good body of work on the turf. So we'll use some combos of 11, 2, 6, 12 in some of the multi-exotics here in this eighth race. Moving to race number nine. This one is the Narud. I don't really like Candyman Rocket in here from the rail. His best races are when he's able to sit just off. And I think he's going to be forced in here. Seven is a little farther, I think, than where he's best. It, it just feels like six is like a, a perfect trip for him. And I, I think he's going to be forced. The real key to the race is what kind of pace shape is it? Because if Candyman Rocket doesn't send hard from the inside, there's not that much early speed in here for a legitimate sprint race like this. You could see the four. We could see the five. Even the six possibly showing speed. But... None of these horses are for sure need to go to the lead every time type of horse. I think I'm the most confident in Little Vic in here just because of the trip I think he'll get. He's always puts himself in that nice stalking range just off. He had a really big effort in the Tom Fool. And he had 
you know, three or four really nice races prior to that. I think he was a little over the top in the Carter. And if you eliminate that Carter race, a race that's already come back live, because we've seen the second place finisher, Repo Rocks, come back and win graded stakes race following that one. We also saw the fourth place finisher, Today's Flavor, come back and win the New York Red Stakes race out of that one. So that race came back strong. And Little Vic feels like you know consistently he's going to be pretty close to this pace. So give me the five on top. The three Weyburn, if there's any sort of pace battle, I think he's the winner. I like him at this seven furlongs to a mile trip. Just not sure if they're going to be battling up front. We could have three horses that all show a little bit of speed, and they could all be very content with sitting one, two, three, wherever they were to, to stack up in that order. But if Candyman Rocket and Twisted Ride and Little Vic and Sheriff uh, Bianco all want to go and they all end up kind of putting a little pressure on each other, then I think it's Weyburn's race. So three and five for me is the top two in here. I'd also use the four Twisted Ride, who I feel like can sit a pretty nice trip, and we'll try to beat the one Candyman Rocket in this spot, who's very good when he's able to, uh, to get the kind of trip he wants. He got that trip on May the 13th. I'm not sure if he'll get it here. Let's move to the 10th and final Saturday at Belmont in race number 10. I thought the one kind of had a sneaky trip comes out of the, the race on May the 19th with some of the other rivals in here. She had a fine start and uh, I say she, he had a fine start. He was in between horses. He took back. He ended up moving to fifth and then he ended up losing like five, four or five lengths of positioning comes on again nicely Really showed some nice late energy. It was like a weird trip. You can even see it in the running lines where he drops back and then has to come on again. Now he'll make the third start off the long layoff. Third start of the form cycle for the the uh, very good turf barn. Just sort of knows where they fit. The two horse had a brutal trip. He's the one to beat, no doubt. He was down inside in that May 13th race. He was like 11th of 12. or 15 lengths off. And he moved from the rail. He got stopped. He got backed up to last. He had nowhere to go. He moved in between horses again. And then he started to roll with a bunch of momentum. Uh, he ended up, things got really tight late. And he had stopped badly again. It was just brutal, brutal type trip. You can pull up the replay here and watch it. Um, if you're uh, looking at the formulator past performances like I am. So he's a three, Miracle Mike in uh we're watching the race that he's the three in on Saturday at Belmont. He's the two. So not the best of beginnings. He's kind of pushed all the way to the back, slow, getting into stride. And as the rate, as the field like strings out, he's way, way out of it. And he gets stopped a couple different times. We can kind of go a little far uh, forward more. You can see right here, the three is kind of moving and trying to move. And then he gets sort of stopped and he has to back up right here and lose his momentum and shuffle back. And he wanted to go right then. So that's not easy. And we watch him again, the three with the green cap, watch him looking for some room as he moves down to the inside here. And he's trying to find a way through. He's traveling really, really well, but he doesn't really have a seam. He can't go around the four. He kind of tries to hit that spot. Then he tries to go back inside and he sort of shifts back around. I don't know if he would have won the race, but he might have finished second there. Um, 
even just without that trouble, that doesn't count the two other times earlier in the race when he had legitimate trouble. So he's the horse to beat. He is three to one. I'll use a lot of one, two um, others to include in here on the deeper tickets. The five's kind of interesting as a horse who could just be more forwardly placed. Just had a really bad start last time out. Eliminate that one. Give him another start to show more speed in here. The six really fits at the level two. He showed that last time. And the eight would be the other one for me. Awesome four is just a pace player to include in some uh, some late pick fours and some late pick fives. But the one and the two will be the ones that I uh, use in all tickets to try to close things out. A couple, a couple others maybe in the mix underneath and in a, in one or two spots. Don't forget about that big DRF sale all the way through Tuesday on the 4th of July. Best of luck in all your plays this weekend. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That's what G said. We have a bunch of different segments like this on the uh, upon the podcast all together, so you can hear the audio all from there, as well as covering a whole bunch of different sports, pop culture, all the big races going on. Good luck this weekend. We keep rolling with the Saturday racing. Let's get to Saturday Louisiana Downs best bets. Louisiana down Saturday, July the 1st. I have a couple of best bets for you. Let's dive on into the daily racing form, past performances, see if we can find you a few winners out at Louisiana. I'm going to turn to race number four on the Saturday card. I'm going to look at the number one in a wick. It just feels like this mare is coming out of a lot tougher races than the bulk of these. The uh, most recent races, at Louisiana, very difficult. Three starts back at Evangeline against Open Company. Prior to that, at Fairgrounds, just really, really difficult fields repeatedly. And she does have some ability. She has run well at Louisiana. And six and a half really feels like it's going to be a perfect trip for her with this group. She actually is a horse who's shown a little bit more speed. You can see farther down in her past performance running lines. And I think we're going to get a little bit more of that from her with the inside draw today, expecting a little more aggressive handling and uh, a better effort from the number one in a wick, who is six to one on the morning line there at Louisiana downs. This fourth race kicks off your late pick four. It is a 50 cent pick four and it's a 15% low takeout. And they also have 17% takeout in the win place and show wagering, which is very, very low in comparison to a lot of the other tracks. So, Let's see if we can get you an old school daily double. Let's go right to race number five right next door. I did think that the number nine in here was interesting. Summer Lover. Summer Loving had me a blast. Summer Lover comes in off of a couple efforts at Lone Star on the turf. And those three efforts were actually all pretty good. In particular, that last one. If we look at the chart on DRF, formulator we can see that trey solis who won that race last time out has won back-to-back races like optional 50 and then a first level allowance race this is a legitimate allowance horse this horse broke their maiden at churchill downs and has faced serious company this is a race where the runner-up ready to roll has been at the 
first level allowance race and has been hitting the board there repeatedly. Third place finisher, Color Fast, came back to win a $15,000 claimer and has been competitive at first level allowance company, you know, repeatedly. So just feels like that was a tough race that Summer Lover exits. And I think he is in a really nice spot in this in this field. It's kind of looking at it, how it shapes up. He will need probably a little bit of pace to run at. He's not just the fastest horse in here, but looking at the number 10, Noble Honor, I think we'll have to go from out there. The 11, Reverend, also should be forwardly placed in here. The 7, Pinch Hitter, is pretty quick. A bread Renner will be stretching out a little bit. Wouldn't be shocking to see that one show a little bit more early speed in here. So it does feel like there should be enough early pace to give uh, the number 9, Summer Lover, the trip we're looking for coming off the pace. Now, I'm looking at these DRF daily racing form past performances, and you can actually take advantage of a massive sale right now at DRF. Let's pull up the daily racing form sale tidbits and information. You can get up to 50% off, and this sale goes all the way through Tuesday, July the 4th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. Now, you can take advantage of the formulators, if uh, past performances, or classic. If you're someone who likes to use the past performances, go purchase one of these packages right now because you can save yourself money, and then you'll already have these credits stacked up because, you know, Louisiana Downs meet continues on. If you're someone who likes to play Saratoga or Del Mar, those meets will be starting very soon. You can have the credit there, and then you can use them for the meet. You'll need help with the clocker reports. They've already got uh, discounts on those. The DRF picks, also the digital paper. Anything you need, any of those tools, take advantage right now and save money if you know you're going to be using them down the line. Best of luck at Louisiana Downs on Saturday. If you are uh, new to finding this video, come and follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Come subscribe to the podcast, That's What G Said Podcast. Lots of segments like this about all sorts of different races, different sports. We talk about uh, wrestling. We talk about Marvel and Star Wars, everything going on in pop culture and in sports on That's What G Said. Let's move to Sunday, Louisiana Downs, July the 2nd. Let's take a look at races four and five for my two best plays of the day. In race number four, it's a Louisiana bred maiden $7,500 claiming race, five and a half furlongs on the main track. I like the four Lincoln production. This is a horse who fired fresh in his debut. He finished second against maiden $10,000 claimers at fairgrounds back on November the 27th. Then in his second start, he just showed a little bit of early speed before fading, but we haven't seen him since. Now he's ready to rock. He's showing up here for Joe Duhon, who's had a fantastic start to the meet, winning at around 30% with 12 winners in the first 38 starters at Louisiana. It's been a great start to the meet for Suarez, who will be riding. Connections have been hot. This horse is ready, is quick, is proven, and has one of the better races in the field. I like the number four, Lincoln Production. We know this one can fire fresh. Let's move right next door to race number five. I'm going to look at the number one. Darrow Tante, seven and a half furlongs on the turf. Darrow Tante won his turf debut at seven and a half furlongs, breaking his maiden last year in September. Following that, he stepped up and he faced first level allowance company, Louisiana Breads, in February. 
So in that race, he was coming off of a long layoff. He had not raced since September. After the February race, again, he had a couple months off. When he showed back up, he showed up in another tough spot. It was a first-level allowance here at Louisiana. And now he puts two starts together. I say he, she. She drops back in with claimers. She's going to go second start off the bench. And she is faced tougher in her last few, a lot tougher. I think you're going to get a better effort from the one, Darrow Tante. She's 12-1 to on the morning line. So that's a look at Monday. Sunday, excuse me. The second, let's go to Monday right now. Let's go to Monday the 3rd as uh, we will dive on in to Monday the 3rd and races 3 and 5 on Monday at Louisiana Downs. In the third race, let's go to the number 6 horse in race number 3. It's a $5,000 non-winners of 3. Dare to Wish is lightly raced with upside She's drawn outside of the other speeds. She actually broke her maiden against maiden special weights, and then she dropped in, um, you know, to a claiming spot when she faced winners. And really, she found her level at the five thousand dollar level last time out. She's a speed horse, and if she catches a flyer and she clears, she's tough to run down. I think in this field, she might be able to do that. It looks like it's going to be between her. And Derby Day Lassie, who's also pretty quick. I love the fact that Dare to Wish is drawn to the outside. So if she needs to sit off a little bit, she should be able to. That's the six, Dare to Wish, who is 7-2 on the morning line, race three on Monday at Louisiana. And then in the fifth race, I'm going to go to the eight, Gather the Facts. Takes a big drop down in class. This is a horse who just missed in her debut on the turf at Belmont in a maiden special eight. Following that, she ran into tough company. She was sent to the bench for a long layoff. She changed barns, and she has three consecutive races on the dirt against better. Huge drop in class and getting back to the turf. Gather the facts, who is 8-1 on the morning line, will be in the mix all over for me on Monday at Louisiana Downs. Best of luck when you're playing the races out at Louisiana Downs this week. There were Saturday, Sunday, and Monday plays for you. Let's finish up with this week in wrestling. Chad Cooper joins me. We dive into everything going on. WWE, AEW, NXT, Money in the Bank, Forbidden Door, Collision, everything happening in the world of wrestling. We've got it right here on That's What G Said. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night and trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. We are just days out from one of my favorite events on the WWE calendar, Money in the Bank. We're going to talk about that pay-per-view, that premium live event coming up. We'll also talk about everything going on in the world of NXT. We're seeing Carmelo, Mello, Mello on Raw and on the main roster here and there. And we'll talk about everything happening with AEW, Collision, Dynamite coming off of Forbidden Door. Chad Cooper joins Koopa Loop, my man, it is a fun week coming up. I am really pumped for this Money in the Bank pay-per-view because it feels like on this show, it reminds me of the old Money in the Banks 
in the men's ladder match in particular, we're going to get somebody to win this thing that's going to be new and fresh and give a like a fresh take on the main event scene. Um, Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, L.A. Knight, Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, Logan Paul. That is the group lined up for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Let's just get right into it, Koopa Loop. How do you feel about Money in the Bank and uh, who the heck's taking this briefcase? Well, I think... You and I and majority of the WWE yeah. universe, uh, one one person, yeah, yeah. Let me talk uh, to you, man. This is, uh, yeah, Money in the Bank's always one of my favorites, uh, just because it's, uh, it, it it really is a genius idea. If you go back and look, it's really not all that old. It's I think the first one was what 2010, 11. So we're not even. 15 years into this concept and it seems like it's been around for a long time, but it's really, really Jericho really came up with it, right? I yeah. It was Jericho's creation. They had a first couple of them at mania and then they, they blossomed into their own. Yeah. It's just been really good the way they, they've done it and designed it and added a women's uh, money in the bank match too. It's, it's, it's intriguing because the rocket uh, LA night going into this thing is, uh, is what everybody wants. And what's I, great about him, Chad, because while we talk about him, yeah. And the what is awesome about watching him over the last couple months is that it has been 100% natural. Yeah. Like this, this yeah. guy hasn't been booked like a star. He hasn't been getting a bunch of wins or anything like that. He's been getting decently consistent TV time since the Royal Rumble, but it, he didn't have a match at Mania. He hasn't really been in any feuds other than the Bray Wyatt feud. We've just seen him on TV, and this is all on his own. Just getting over on his own, that's the best way to get over in wrestling because the fans don't feel like something's being pushed down your throat. And man, with the creation of the second world title now, he can win this. Like any, Honestly, anybody in this match can win it now. With that other title. I would not have said that before if it was just Roman Reigns with the undisputed champ- championship. Because I, I wouldn't think any of these guys would have a shot to go beat Roman Reigns right now. But if you're telling me they could cash in on Seth in a Seth is weekend situation, I think any of these guys can do that. And LA Knight, he's, he is as over as anyone. He makes the most sense in the world. And all I'm hoping is if <laughs> he doesn't win this match... There's a good reason why he doesn't. It's a storyline reason, and that gets him a story started. Because this guy can't be this over right now and then just be pushed down the card. At the very least, if you don't have plans for him to be the world champion in the next year, at least start elevating this guy little by little because he deserves to be in feuds. We need to see him out there more and more and more. Yeah! Well, that's uh, you bring up a lot of, you know, all the good points. And that's that's who I want to win. Um, If he does win this money in the bank uh, briefcase, are you going to go ahead and assume he will be a successful cash in regardless who that world champion is at the time of the cash in? Yes, I don't think I don't think you need to do the the win and lose stuff anymore. They've done it a few times. I just, when, especially now with all the options, they've even made mention that they could cash it in on any champion, right? The NXT champion saying, come down and cash it in on me. So with that option, with the ability to do it on any champion, I don't think you need to have them lose, but 
now with the two the two different titles, to me, the way I'm looking at it, LA Knight is the most over, the one that the fans want the most. Damian Priest has kind of sneaky been built up over the last couple months as a guy who wouldn't shock me. Logan Paul would be the one if they wanted to make the most noise. They put it on him. But I have actually read that Triple H wasn't all that high on the idea of putting it on Logan Paul. I think you and I kind of talked it out last week that it would be cool. You'll get a lot of views. But I would prefer if it was on someone who's always there. Agree. Um, So there are odds, offshore odds. And we talk about this when we have big pay-per-views of on these matches for, for this week. And if you're not familiar with odds, we try to simplify it for you. So anytime someone is minus, uh, they are the favorite. Now, L.A. Knight opens up as a minus 200 favorite, which is something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's who I want to win. Um, It seems like, you know, he has everything behind him. And if he doesn't, I'm with you. It would definitely have to be something storyline. Your second favorite is Logan Paul plus 125. Makes sense. I can understand that. And and I and I think that if he does win it, I think WWE. Someone said this, and he brought up a really good point. This guy goes everywhere. He's at UFC events. He does his own podcasts and YouTube. I mean, stuff. like he could have the briefcase, the briefcase chilling everywhere, chilling everywhere. on his podcast right there, right on YouTube, yeah. where they've so, got so, millions of people watching. So, so I understand that. Now he's not going to be there all the time. Maybe they take tons of vignettes and whatever of whatnot. I don't know. Number three, this is you, you, you had to say it, he was sneaky. He's sneaking in because this is the guy that I'm picking to win the money in the bank briefcase. Damian Priest at plus 150. Yeah. He was at plus 700. And now he's going down to plus 150. And let me tell you why I like Damian Priest. Just look over the last month or two. This guy's in main events, he's winning matches. Started uh, really started in Puerto Rico. It was funny because we thought did. we thought against who, Damian you know? against Bad who? Bunny, Bad of Bunny, one of the biggest stars in the world, and we thought it was a little weird because remember at WrestleMania, Dominic has has a, a singles match against his dad. Finn has a one on one match against Edge. Rhea winning the title. The only one of Judgment Day that doesn't have a match at WrestleMania is Damian Priest, and we're going. Man, is this good for him? But they had plans. They knew that next month after that, they were going to go to Puerto Rico, and they basically were going to tell him, hey, you're going to get your WrestleMania moment next month. You're going to get to have that match with Bad Bunny. It's going to be awesome. All the Puerto Rican wrestlers are going to come out. It's going to be really cool and fun. You're going to have all these great moments, and then we're going to elevate you. And that's exactly what they've done. I mean, he... No arguments there. I I just feel like they... That he's he's and you use the exact words here. He's been, you know, he's kind of hidden. Uh, you don't think of him as winning the money in the beef beef uh, briefcase because L.A. Knight is so over, and you have mm-hmm. Logan Paul. You know, those those are two big massive names. But this guy, you know, if he wins it, what's the storyline here? Does he cash it in on Seth? Would it mean that Finn Balor? takes the title away from Seth Rollins at this, and then he cashes it. Don't well, because now, you, now, you, now with Damien. The other night. I Damian, the other night, though, Gino, they brought up that Finn's title run was not very long. Right. It was one of the shortest lives. So that's uh, probably just said that. But 
and I, and I looked at the opening odds, though. Seth is a massive, massive favorite. And do I think he loses the title to Finn Balor? No. But um, if Damian wins, I'm just trying to do some future booking. Can do, um, can you get a Finn win real quick and then Damian come out and cash it in on him? That that would be the way to to do that. Now it's fun to play I that that out Finn in your head. Seth, though. Yeah, Me I neither. And I worked that out. And I don't think I don't, but I still think something is is flowing for Damian. Yeah, I want LA Knight to win. He's, he's look, I, I like this guy from day one back on the indie scene through Impact. But um, something tells me this could be the sneaky option here. And his odds have really dropped and really gotten close there to Logan Balls. I and think I guess who's next? Still this match. Yeah, go ahead. Ricochet. Plus two thousand. You're there. <laughs> right. I thought he was next, and then after that, it's probably really big, right? Yeah. Like after that, it's Nakamura. Escobar, oh, Escobar, Escobar, Nakamura, and Butch. And then Butch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because because Ricochet is a, another guy who's kind of quietly been booked really and well, and that is that's a, he's a live long shot. Right. He's it, 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 look WWE will surprise you in these type of matches. Right. He's suck. won. He's won. Um. Matches on TV recently, good matches, clean, and they gave him the big spot with Logan Paul. I've actually heard rumors that there could be a Logan Paul Ricochet match at SummerSlam, which Ooh, I would be good. all in on. That's I would good because that would be so good for Ricochet. That would elevate him, and you trust him in the ring with Logan Paul. Because Ricochet is as good as anyone in the ring, and they would have some creative spots. That would be awesome. So the two, the two actually that I'd heard rumors of were Ricochet, um, Logan Paul, and LA Knight, Logan Paul, at SummerSlam. If they don't win the briefcase, that could be um, angles that are spun off. And I would be up for either of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. think either of those you- would be awesome. Because you the got, crowd it, it, would love to cheer L.A. Knight against Logan Paul, and that would be a good feud for Ricochet because one of Ricochet's biggest problems is getting over on the mic. Whatever he would say out there against Logan Paul, he would get cheered. The people yeah, would just do Logan Paul. It would just be a really good place to set him up. They've already had that little tease with what they've done at the Royal Rumble. So I want, coming out of the Money in the Bank, as a fan— I want it to be either Priest, L.A. Knight, or Ricochet that wins. And then I want to see either L.A. Knight or, and Ricochet, one of those guys, in a feud with Logan Paul following the match. That's how I hope this what we get out of this Money in the Bank. Because then I feel like we're set up with guys that are all on good trajectory. They've all been being built pretty well. L.A. Knight, Priest, Ricochet. And... Then it keeps Logan in the, the mix with one of the other guys. That's what I'm hoping for because I'm, I'm it's just a fun group. This just reminds me of what they used to do with the Money in the Bank when it would elevate people like it did oh, with yeah. Edge. You know, because especially mid Carters, yeah. None yeah. of these guys are really, truly main eventers right now. They're not. Nakamura's had a cup of coffee there. Damian Priest has had a cup of coffee there. You know, but they haven't been consistent guys in the world title picture and. It happened with Edge. It happened with Daniel Bryan. You know, like, Daniel Bryan won the title when he was the corny, babyface good guy that people didn't like cheering. And he had AJ Lee with him as his oh, yeah. part, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and then he turned heel, like, with the briefcase. 
Even even uh, though the odds are low, I, I just don't see Logan Paul winning this thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think really buzzworthy. Especially if Seth is going over. I know there's history there. You know, it's just too easy. It it, it is. It's too easy here. And you know that we we see cracks uh, in Judgment Day. We we know this is uh, this is. So if Damian doesn't win this, and Finn Balor loses, uh, that leaves what Dom. you know, as as the guy, and I think we know where we're going with that. It looks like him and Cody Rhodes are going to be a fantastic storyline. That what we've been seeing on television the last couple of weeks has <laughs> so, been phenomenal. It's so good. It's but, so um, good. So yeah, it's very very intriguing. Look, I, on record, I want LA Knight, but I, I'm going to go a sneaky pick here. I'm going to be Damian Priest. I, that's that's my pick. Uh, I would not hesitate if i'm betting horses here i would not hesitate to to put a little money on ricochet because you never know in these matches sometimes they like to go the complete opposite i but will say if they do i agree with you there better be some freaking storylines coming out of this if somebody doesn't win it like la Knight. i wouldn't be like mad but i would be very surprised if it was nakamura oh, santos I'll, or I'll butch be, I, oh yeah no or sure. butch any of those yeah. three they would surprise me. Butch, Very. I think, is in it because it's in the UK. So Butch will get some pop, you know. And that, and, and that dude, and that dude can work a match. And so it'll be a blast. I think people forget how good he is in the ring. Um, Nakamura will have some fun there, and um, you know, Santos is great. Like there, there are reasons why those guys are in this match because they're going to do a fantastic job in there. But I, I think it's down to four: LA Knight, Priest, Ricochet, Logan Paul. And sure. realistically, in in I think in your in my head, it feels like it's two. It feels like it's Priest or LA Knight. Like it yeah. should be yeah. one of those two guys, yeah. just the, the timing and everything. So, uh, yeah, let me talk to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say the the this is a point where the fan in me gets to meet like the actual wrestling analyst, right? That we are covering the sport, trying to cover it because you and I have not been shy or quiet about the fact that we loved LA Knight. We've loved him for a long time before he came in, when he was Eli Drake, when he was doing stuff in TNA and NWA. And he was really good. He's always had this it factor as a talker. Now, finally, it's come together where the WWE fans have noticed it. And now, now... Well, a lot of these people didn't know who he was either. Exactly. You got you to gotta, you gotta think there's some... Look, this is what hurts AEW. There, um, your your average, and I and I say this, uh, I'm tiptoeing. I don't I don't want to piss off anyone here. Your average full time WWE fan, if you know what I mean, someone mm-hmm. that watches every Monday and Friday night. I'm not talking about somebody that watches all three, but your average big time WWE fan does not watch any other wrestling. No, they just don't. They no, don't. They don't. They don't go to the and, live and, events. And I will so say most AEW fans, it's the opposite for AEW, right? The, the AEW fans are more wrestling fans. Yeah, and they watch than, just to criticize or, or get pissy on Twitter. But a lot, what I'm saying, my point is a lot of these WWE fans had no idea who this guy was coming in. You're right. Look, the, his age is 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 what is what has hindered him. And they did and, the stuff with the Max Dupree at the beginning, yeah, which made it even more them. confusing. Yeah, he was, he was managing the, them. The, the male models. And um, it was not like, so that's confusing as it is. It just took a little bit for everybody to kind of 
hear him talk. And like we've said, it's there's a little case and, and that microphone would just be stupendous. Then he could be on Raw and SmackDown. There's a little bit of the rock. There's a little bit of Stone Cold when he talks. Right. And it's not I'm not saying he's those guys. I'm not. But when you hear him talk, it just reminds you of like you when you watched Hulk Hogan and you saw a little bit of superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what it is. Right. When you watch some of these guys and you see or you hear things that they picked up or they took from we watch. How many guys do we watch? And we're like, oh, that's that's like there's some Shawn Michaels. People have been saying that about Shawn about guys <laughs> for for how many Z- Ziggler. Right. Like how many different people through the years where they're like he bumps like Shawn Michaels or he moves like that sort of you just hear him the way he it's it's like the delivery and the cadence and his timing with things. It's very much like guys who just they just get it. They understand what to do with that microphone. And um, man, I'm this is this is probably the most I will say. Probably since Daniel Bryan Like at Wrestlemania 30 Like wanting him to win a title as a fan Like this is like Like a little kid in me again Really? Because nowadays We we know most of the time What's going to happen Right? I mean we do Like we know We have an idea of what's going to happen There's very few times where we're watching these shows And it's like Whoa! I didn't see that coming at all <laughs> And when that does happen It's it's cool Um and this, this is, you know, this is this is an early show because it's overseas. Yep. And uh, it's, um, you know, you would think this this match probably ends the show, correct? I wonder. And, and a lot of the times, the way they set these matches up sort of tells you if someone's going to cash in throughout the it night. It could be. It could be first, right? Because if it's first, then you're like, uh oh, they may the men may cash in, or if the girl if the ladies go first, then you go, uh oh, right? Well, and somebody. I, Maybe the Roman tag is is the main event, right? I, that probably is. They're probably I about Roman. that. Yeah, okay. the, so, the Civil so War. You, so you may start off with Seth World Championship, or you may start off with the men's. I don't yeah. know, or the women's. I don't. I don't know. Man, I'm I am so excited for this yeah. L.A. night. Let's see it. Let's go to the women's coop. Yeah. Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Bailey, Io Trish Stratus. So what's kind of funny about this is that there are a couple different storylines going on and it almost it almost feels like they might cancel each other out. I don't <laughs> right like I don't know if it if it's possible but like Becky, Zoe and Trish are all in this storyline together. Where it looks like it'll probably end up with Becky versus Trish or Lita coming back and we get Becky and Lita versus Trish and Zoe maybe some combinations with them. And I think they threw a. They tried to throw you a curveball Monday night with Becky and and uh, it was. I mean, she, she almost buried Rhea. She basically did. She said, "Hey, look, that look. I don't need that title. That title needs me." Yeah. I was ma- I was main eventing Raw and pay per views with this title, and you are not. You're not. Yeah. You talk about a line. That that's a line. But that I, wanna hear, I want to. I want to hear because I love your analysis. Of wrestling matches, sporting events, horse racing, how you come to picking who you think's gonna win. And I wanna hear I wanna hear you you just started. Becky, Zoe, and Trish are are in I think a, they're all they've all got plans moving forward, right? I, so I, I wouldn't let's talk about that. So Trish is plus two thousand. I don't think she's gonna win it anyway. 
would I be shocked? No, because then she could kind of Zoe could kind yeah, of yeah, she could do it, but it, she, it she wouldn't do it. But it wouldn't. It just wouldn't make sense. Zoe's no. plus eight hundred. Okay, so that that's still Becky is the second betting favorite at plus two hundred. And I think part of that is is probably just because it's Becky, right? Sure. Because sure. She, in this match, she is the big name, and she's the one that makes the most sense around the title picture. The one who's always been there. And, you know, honestly, re- in the last couple months, she hasn't been around the title. So if they want to get her back there, they can always do that. But if she's involved with Zoe and with Trish and EO and Bailey, it feels like now because Dakota Kai got hurt, the plans that they may have had with that group changed a little bit. And I can see it now being an EO versus Bailey match at SummerSlam. I could see oh. them having a feud. I could see EO becoming the babyface. If that happens, they are involved with each other. And then it's basically like when, like you said, when I'm looking at a speed, like a, when I'm looking at a race and all of the horses in the race are speed horses and then there's one closer, I sometimes get to the closer. Or if there's no speed horses and then there's one, I'm kind of getting to Zelina right now <laughs> and wondering if, because everybody else has stuff happening. You've got Zelina, who proved at Puerto Rico she can be in the mix there. She's got a little bit of momentum with the LWO. You know, she's kind of packaged with Ray at the moment. The, the more I looked at the field, I kind of wanted to get to her. I, well, if, the way, if, in my if, head, I've got three, just like I did for the women. Yeah. Zelina, Becky, and EO. I think it's one of those three. Okay, but I, well, I, I would go Zelina, EO, Becky in my in my way of picking. Man, when I tell you, if Zelina, if Zelina wins this match, you're going to be a rich man. She, she's not favored to win it, but when we talked about her a while back, uh, it's, again, it started in Puerto Rico with her losing, but she had a pretty good match with Rhea, and then she's been on this underdog story. And we mentioned this a couple of times uh, a, a month or two ago, how she was defying the odds, and WWE loves to tell stories. That's why they're number one. They tell really good stories, and this has been a good story to watch. The only issue I have now is by seeing these odds, she's plus 2,000 with Trish. Now, that doesn't mean she can't win. I've seen massive, massive uh, uh, underdogs win in professional wrestling and thought, well, why would the uh, you know a book, a, a sports book, put this person at, at this odds and they win? They may not know. So that... So that leaves EO and EO is the favorite. EO is the favorite minus 300. I was shocked. Wow. I was shocked. I was shocked. I thought no way. I thought no way EO would be the favorite. Well, or even if you would have told me EO is the favorite, I would have said there there's like three, you know, like two or three that are all right next to each other. Right there. Like EO's like plus 200 and Becky's plus 250. And then, you know. Bailey is plus 400. You know, they're all really close to each other. But yeah, wow. If they go in this direction. And I'd have uh, no problem with that. I'd have no problem with that. You could have EO win and then you could have Bailey have a match against her for the briefcase, right? Yes. And that could be. Just like Judgment Day, unfortunately, with Dakota out, as you mentioned, again, for a while, at least eight months. Damage control is we see Bailey's pissed off anyway. Bailey's third plus 400. So they're all kind of, her, Becky, and Bailey are all kind of tied together. I, 
I think you're right in the assessment that Becky is this close because it's Becky. I would be surprised if Becky won this. I, I just Me too. I don't, she doesn't need it. Her. She just no, doesn't need it. She she doesn't need it, and uh, I think the it doesn't help uh, the storyline with her, Zoe, and Trish. EO could put could win that, and at SummerSlam put that briefcase on the line against Bailey, and and then and Bailey and, maybe seals it and, and, and here's wins what, that match. Here's what I would love. EO, because what 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 we can see happening right now in these couple of matches is they could have a lot of women's stories set up over the next few months that are that don't even have to do with the belts, right? Which I love. I want them to have two or three women's stories on each show, which could be great. So, you know, now, you could at have the same time, Gino, though, at the same time, even though Rhea is is tied with Don. They don't really have anything to her though at all, it just right? Sucks. It is cool it her off right. as a champion. No, you're as and a that's champion. that's because I was that was the one thing I'm wondering who goes for Rhea because like looking at this women's match, you could absolutely have, you know, Becky, Zoe, Trish. They're going to be involved in their thing. Probably Lita in the mix with them. Bailey, Eo. They could be involved in their thing. Maybe the briefcase is in the mix with them. And then I could see Eo going after. Oscar, sure, and beating Oscar, that would be then, an awesome match. EO versus Oscar, and and what that would mean would mean that Bianca and Charlotte would be involved in their own thing because yes, maybe Bianca doesn't going to happen anyway. Doesn't yeah. let Charlotte win the title, and she interferes, and then those two are fight are in a feud, not for the title. Then all of a sudden, you've got a Asuka bunch of EO, and Oscar and EO, Charlotte, Bianca. Right, you've got Trish and Becky and Zoe involved in their thing. You've got um, EO and Bailey involved in theirs. Who do we have left for Rhea? Is it? Is it, do we? Here's what they're gonna do. Rhea is gonna be in a triple threat with the two women that lose in the tag team match this weekend, which is gonna be Raquel and Liv. Yes, I think it'll be either one of them or the both of them. I could absolutely see that because they've already teased a couple times with Rhea and Liv, right? Where they've yes. sort of like given each other a look, and then they've Rhea and Liv, or they've done that with Rhea and Raquel, excuse me, right? Rhea and Raquel, they've had a couple little like looks at each other, and Rhea and Liv were former tag team partners. Yes, so I could see any combination of them. It's not fantastic. There's not like a big feud built into it. But could you see them being in a match or one or two of them being in a match with Rhea at SummerSlam? Yeah, because Raquel and Liv are not winning these titles this weekend. Now, look, I don't know what happened to Liv when she got injured. No clue. I'm not going to speculate on it. That's something I don't do. She's back Uh, quick, though, right? Very quick. Very quick. Now, maybe they thought, hey, this is we're going to keep you out for a bit. Um I, I just, it, it's, and maybe they said, hey, look, it's not as bad as what we thought, and boom, she gets to come back. Um, I, I don't think they're winning the titles. Rhea and Shayna are heavy, heavy favorites. I, I didn't even have to look at the odds to know that I didn't think um, uh, Rhea Ripley, uh, excuse me, uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. I, they're not losing this weekend, those no. titles. But, just, but I will say. Raquel could turn. They lose, it, live Raquel. Raquel turns. And in a few weeks already, just because they've been on TV more, these women's titles feel a little bit more important than they have. 
right? Because we had them. I gotta say, shout out to uh, to the the match on SmackDown last week. I didn't love. I didn't love that Isla and and Alba lose that quickly. They looked incredible though. They did. They were beating the crap out of Ronda and Shayna. They were like dominating the entire match. And so I hope they have a plan for them because they looked fantastic. They were doing tag like tandem moves. Ronda and Shayna they did not know what hit them. And and then now all of a sudden we actually have like a feud. We have a tag team feud with a little bit of a storyline. Like they yeah. took out Liv and now Liv's back. And I'm actually intrigued in the women's tag team match, which I really wasn't all that long ago. Um, and you got Ronda and Shayna. They come out in the matching geese. You know, they they sort of look like a team together. And they're doing some tandem submissions and tandem offense. So, like, positive stuff from yeah. from them here. Uh, let's keep rolling. That that's going to be one of the, another one of the matches on the card at Money in the Bank. Let's keep rolling along. Gunther versus Matt Riddle. I've been really in like invested in a lot of the stuff they've been doing with Gunther in Sammy and KO. I think a lot of that's been really good. The in ring stuff has been fun. Um, Ludwig is he's like elevated himself on the mic. He <laughs> yeah, feels yeah, yeah. like more and more important here. Matt Riddle was doing the Bret Hart at the 94 Rumble, hobbling <laughs> down to the ring. I love that. I love that, you know. Um, and I'm sure Riddle's going to just be selling the uh, the ankle injury that he has, and Gunther's just going to beat the crap out of him here. And it, I don't think it feels like the right time or the right no, person, no. Gunther, to lose. But Riddle feels like and – that, and that's probably even why Riddle goes into this match. Hobbled. Hobbled, right? To give him a – an easy way out to where he could lose and it doesn't make him look bad all that, Man. you know, all that. Week. Yeah. And, and every week we, we say this and you just said it. I, I just, how, how do you keep Guther from just automatically exploding? And we, we saw what happened with LA Knight. You know, they, I think more people knew who Eli Drake slash LA Knight was coming to the WWE than the WWE universe knowing Guther coming from NXT UK uh, to NXT, then getting a, a complete name change. There were, I, I think more people were familiar with LA Knight than they were with Guther. And this guy is, he's one of the top hills in recent memory in WWE. And, and this is, he hasn't even been here, what, a full year on the main roster? It's just crazy what this guy's been able to do. And I, I say it every week when we mention his segments and we mention his name. I don't know how much longer this guy, and I'm not putting down the championship. I, I'm just, I, I, I'm not. I'm not putting down the title. Um, know me, by no means am I, uh, am I disrespecting it. But I, I just, how much longer does this guy stay the Intercontinental Champion because he's better than that belt? And I'm not crapping on that belt because look, the greats have held it. But this guy's a monster. He's a machine. And have him having him in the main events or, ha, you know, I, I just, I don't know what the plans are. I really don't. We speculate. But, man, putting the world title on him, either brand, is going to be a home run. I, for I w- you know what? I really do think. And I think they know that. I think they know that. That's why 
He's just a, a slow cooker I'm, in a crock pot. I will say, I'm getting a little like there's a little feeling in me right now that's not as great for Cody long term. Um, because I I'm getting this feeling that like with with how Seth is going right now, that they may be thinking about Seth being the guy to end Roman. I and not I, Cody. I, I'm starting. I'm starting look, to get that feeling, man. Look, and I'm it, glad you do because, <clears throat> excuse me, remember when we had the WrestleMania roundtable? Yeah, and it's and it's uh, not even like I'm I'm not and I'm not saying this is like Cody's doing bad right now because I think he's still over. Like I like they loved the dog. Everybody was happy to see Pharaoh the other <laughs> night. Like I'm, the crowd still loves Cody and cheers for him. But we t- how many times have you and I said? You strike while the iron's hot because sometimes yeah. the guy might not be as over the next year as they were. And right now, Seth Rollins is more over than he was six months ago. Now, the question is, and we're getting, we're rabbit holing here, which sure. I have no problems with that. Me neither. Uh, just don't. Does Seth, Seth would have to lose the title. I, I um, So, because we're talking about the IC title, I think right? Gunther ends up being the guy to beat Seth. Atta boy. Because Atta boy. you can even have some of the Imperium help and Seth can lose in a way where he kind of gets cheated out of it. And then that puts Seth on the path to the other title. Well, what I, what I mentioned a while ago, when we had the WrestleMania roundtable, um, there was a lot of split. There was Cody. It was either Cody or Seth. And that's who we thought... Um, of us, what, us four. And I just thought from then, Seth has been the guy. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you want a storyline. Let's not forget how important the shield was to the WWE. And even that, last year, like, action, boom. W- w- was it, because uh, you, you think about like some of the biggest heel turns of all time. Right. And like the, and the, the hitting Roman in the back with the chair. And then even last, I guess it was two Royal Rumbles ago when Seth had the match against Roman and they, it was a DQ match. Remember yeah. Seth Roman yeah. did not beat him clean. And Seth even went into that match and remember he got in his head a little bit talking about their past. And there's, this is the only guy who Roman hasn't really got a win over. We've seen him pin him. Like that. We've seen Seth beat Roman multiple times. Seth is finally over now. I don't know know this or I could be dead wrong, but I don't know, man. The way I'm feeling, like Gunther beats Seth. Seth is the one that goes the other way and goes after Roman and dethrones him. Because you can even have the bloodline, the family. We were family in the shield. You know, I don't know. I, there's something yeah. to there that I can see. But as we're talking about both Seth and Cody, let's get to them because they have big matches on the card also. Seth versus Finn. We've sort of hit on that a little. I don't think Finn wins, but nope. they've done a damn good job over the last few weeks. I just wish they didn't they wouldn't have had that match where Seth beat Finn to I get know. because I would have felt like he might have a chance here if we didn't just see him lose then, or at least I would have felt a little bit better. I still do like where they've gone with Finn. This is a such better version of Finn that you at least care about than where he was a little while ago, but damn, I, I, I just don't, he's not going to win this match. No, I, I, you know, I wishful thinking, you know, trying to work my way with why priests would win the briefcase. And then Finn upsets Seth and then Damien cashes. 
I, I don't think he does either, but I'm with you. If they don't have that match, this becomes really, really intriguing because the storyline over the last several weeks has been really good. Finn following him to NXT when he defends the title against Braun Breaker. How great was that? Finn has cut fantastic promos. Uh, how good is that? Um, I could see Priest getting involved in this match and causing you know, Finn to lose, and that deteriorates that. But I, I you know, Seth is, is on fire. It, it is what it is. This was the right call for him to be this champion, not Cody Rhodes. It made the most sense, and it and it does. If you're not going to give that Roman, I don't think anyone in that family, the bloodline, is going to beat Roman for the title. No, they shouldn't, and unfortunately, because as much as it would be fun at the moment, at the time, it's what not comes the right next, finish. right? It's just what it's comes not. next. I don't think, for, for the years and years and years, neither one of them has the Usos have been propped up enough to be the guy. They've done a great job with them recently, really have. Like, both of them have been elevated way more individually and as a tandem than I ever thought. But I still don't think that either one of them, it's got to be Cody or Seth by now, right? right? right. Like, it's got to be one of those. As great as Solo is, hell, he's main eventing house shows. He's main eventing Raw. Um, He's going to be in the main event of, of, of the Money in the Bank. Uh, pay-per-view, whatever. He wins. He the can't title go out there and cut a promo to open the show for twenty minutes, right? No, Roman's not going to be there to help you because once Roman loses, he, you know, you, he's gone he, for a while. He's he's going to be gone for a while. And it, we, how many times have we said this? The easy part is winning the damn title. What comes? The next? hardest part is, is 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 how you defend this thing and how you keep this. But because that's the the fun part is the chase and winning it. And then the rest is tough. So I don't see anyone from the bloodline beating Roman. I I, I just think it's Seth or Cody, and I, I would want to see Seth do this. I, I just I, I just do. I just do. Cody versus Dominic. We're gonna talk in a minute about AEW. There's a guy over there that I think might be able to start getting some Dominic level heat. But man, <laughs> if you would have if we would have said a year ago. You and I were on here going, God, what is Dominic Mysterio doing? What is this kid? He's annoying. He's not even that great in the ring right now. They're, they don't have anything with him. When and him and his dad going to have a match? Are they ever going to turn on each other? If you would have told me that, man, you're putting this guy in a one-on-one match with Cody at like a major, major pay-per-view match, and it doesn't feel weird, like it feels like it fits, it just shows you like how good WWE can be when they figure something out and run with it. And this dude, they turned him, he got the heel heat and they've leaned into it. Prison Dom, all the, all that stuff. I legitimately think because Rhea doesn't have a match and because she's going to be in his corner here, I can absolutely see Rhea like helping Dom beat Cody Rhodes here. I really could see it happening. And then I could see Cody maybe getting a win back on TV soon because I do think Cody ends up having a final match with Brock at SummerSlam, right? It's, that's, we got to go there. Sure. And have Cody get, get the, like, the ultimate win there. But because wouldn't, wouldn't this be a perfect way to get Dominic a, a shot at the title against Rollins if he beats Cody Rhodes and then he can be the, the last guy the Judgment Day and, and they can go through all of them? Sure. 
And I agree. Uh, I think last week we talked about Dominic was needed to beat Cody Rhodes more than Cody needed to beat Dom. My only problem is I know Cody would get that win back. Would this would this really dampen the spirits of people that support? Cody I know Rhodes this and this WWE and this is this mandate. is the one. Yeah, this is the one, right? Where like this could do it. This could really hurt you. This could, and I don't know if you want him to keep losing like this, but I don't know, man, because he, he's the only, Dom, Cody's only a minus two hundred favorite. Yeah, man, I, I got close. a feeling. I got a feeling we get like a maybe we could get a schmoz where it's not like a clean finish, something well, like that. And you don't have KO and Sami Zayn in a match, and they're the tag team champions. Does Judgment Day point. get involved here? It's a and good point KO because Sammy come out. I, I don't know. I'm just just throwing it out there. I have they no have clue. they have a match on Friday on SmackDown Friday. against Pretty yeah. Deadly, and then the uh, the Bloodline Civil War, Ooh. the Usos versus Roman and Solo. I I feel like the Usos got to win this thing. I really do. Yeah, I and do I too. think I think they got to. I think somebody's pinning Roman because Ooh. I think this sets up either a triple threat or a fatal four away for the title at SummerSlam. You would definitely think it'd be a, at least a triple threat. And then, you know, if, if, you know, if, if Solo's involved, then, you know, do they, here's the, someone said this and then they showed the videos. How many times is Roman going to get turned on? We already talked about that turning on him, right? Every time. You know, Every, the Usos turned on him. Paul Heyman Solo, did. Paul Heyman basically did. Solo, is he going to turn on him? You know? Um, yeah, I'm with you. And so are the, the lot, the odds makers, the Usos are minus 200 to win this match. And I think they need to win this match. <laughs> I think it would help I, to have Roman get pinned here. Me it too. Would, you talk about shock the world. You, that, you that, pin him, you pin him. And then you have, you know, the Usos against Roman for the, the title at. Like, hey man, at, we pinned you, bro. We pinned at you. SummerSlam, triple threat or, uh, or the fatal four away with Solo in the mix. So. That is the Money in the Bank card. I am pumped. It is on Saturday, and it is in the day. Keep in mind, it starts at, I think, 3 Eastern, like noon Pacific, right around that time. Woo! Should be an awesome show. Let's get over to NXT. We did see the NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes, show up on Monday Night Raw. So what do you think about Carmelo showing up? He was in a match. He loses the match, but... He's on Raw, probably the most eyeballs that he that have ever seen Carmelo, and he gets to you know cut a promo. He gets to have some TV time, and that sort of helps sell his match the next night with Baron Corbin. He beats Baron Corbin the next night, and he retains the NXT Championship. So, what do you think about the last week or so for Carmelo? I know a lot of people were crapping on it. Oh, he gets brought up first time on Raw, and he gets beat. Well, uh. I, you know, and somebody said, you know, he's getting the carrying cross treatment. No, he's not. That's he lost to the guy. number one contender number for the one, title. It was a hell of a match. A former two-time NXT champion. It was a very good match, and he was given time. He was given promo time. They introduced him in multiple segments throughout the night. I thought this was great for Carmelo. I really did. I thought it was I, like I did too. I did too. I I think this guy is. Uh, I think this was done. For him to get eyes on him, 
and then have you tune in on Tuesday night to see him. This wasn't done to bury anyone. If anything, no. this was done to enhance Carmelo. If I was I mean, let's putting real people, please, let, please let's just, don't look at the result of the match. Now, yeah, if it was a quick burial, I completely understand I would be on that side of the fence because I've been on that side of the fence. What they did to Karrion Cross, they buried him. They did. They did. Absolutely. I don't know he is, but he was buried. This guy is not getting buried. He just beat Braun Breaker. He just beat Baron Corbin the next freaking night. And again, and I love that they brought out the lone the wolf. The lone wolf. That oh, was so awesome. Loved it. That was loved awesome. It. This is not a burial. This is, man, I'm, I'm pinching myself. No, I'm working Finn Bauer on Monday Night Raw. In we look at AEW, and, and I think overall we think about AEW because they do, and they have had a better group of like younger talent. That we that are sort of like prospects, right? You and I like baseball. They're like your. We, we see a lot of guys that we could see in the last couple of years in AEW that like they show for a match or two. They flash. They're really good in ring. The top flight guys, right, or the acclaim guys, or like, you know, guys here or there. And then we would see them a little bit. The pillars. Um, honestly, I think of all of the like thirty and under people in wrestling. I would other than like the young people, MJF for sure, he's at the top of the list. Like if I was sure. buying stock in any of them, I think Carmelo is next. I think more than like a Darby, more than a Sammy Guevara, more than any of the young guys in AEW, more than any of the people on the NXT roster that I can think of, more than any of the young people, he to me feels like someone that I would bet on being a star on the main roster. I just, he seems like he gets it. Somebody uh, mentioned it yesterday on, I think it was on uh, the Wrestling Inc. and it was Jack Farmer. He said, there's something about his moves that are, that like are, they're so smooth and fluid. It almost looks like different than when other people do moves. And man, I'm, I'm just, I continue to be more and more impressed with this guy. And Trick, when they, they were interacting with Rhea a little bit, um, which was funny because then on an NXT yeah. on Tuesday, Rhea was there and Rhea was talking trash about how, you know, they were getting involved with the judgment day. So, um, trick was kind of flirting with her a little, like he said yeah. something at first and he was like, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of that later. And then he started flirting with her a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I like trick too. I think them yeah. as a package, a trick is really funny. I could see him being great. And when Car if Carmelo's on the main roster, trick would be great sitting on commentary. Yes. Like yes. hyping him up. Right, introducing us to him, like telling everybody on the main roster who he is, and I um, great stuff. Again, what I love about um, the the shows that we've done, Coop, and just thinking about it, like think about what we used to say about Dominic Mysterio. We didn't love the guy at all, but now he's changed. They've changed. The crowd's gotten into him, and and we loved it. Um, same thing, you know, with CM Punk when he started, it wasn't great. Then he was better. We liked it. It's gone back and forth. We try really hard to to be honest, even if it's guys and gals we like, if they're not doing as well. I really do try to, to be hard because I know we're just talking about wrestling, but we're not here to push any agenda. I am just trying to talk about the things that I, I think are good and we, we enjoy. And, man, the first time him and Trick were out in the ring, they cut an awful promo. It was terrible. 
Like they were wandering all over. They didn't know what they were saying. Remember, it was like it was on the same night when Mandy was cutting a terrible promo. I remember that. And we were like, uh oh. It was like, oh no, look at this new group of youngsters out here. Like, oh no. And now this guy is just a freaking star, man. It's 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 incredible. I yeah, one hundred percent, man. I mean, this this guy is. He looks so fluid. When he just does these moves and just think of the matches he could have on the main roster, you know, with anyone, Ricochet, you know, Sheamus, any, any brand that he's on, this guy is, is going to give you fantastic matches. And as a baby face, I think this guy would be a massive, massive star on the main roster. Yeah. Again, I, I, I don't I, I don't know how much longer they can hold this guy back. This is a guy like Gunther. You're not going to bring him up to the roster for him to be a mid-carder just because you need guys on a house show, right? This guy is coming up, excuse me, for a reason and a purpose when he does. The NXT Women's Championship was defended on Tuesday night. Tiffany Stratton got the win. I will say this whole feud was was a lot more about Tia Hale than it was really about Stratton. It got – I don't know if it hurt Tiffany – but it definitely did positives for, for Tia, making her feel like a bigger deal and someone who could legitimately win this title down the line. And then we got to see Andre Chase back, back which we loved. And uh, Chase and Hudson, uh, clean house over Dempsey and Gulak. So we'll probably get a match with those two. And this we got to lead to Chase U winning the tag titles at some point, right? Those guys got to win this, those tag titles. You would think, uh, you know, we thought Chase would would win. Uh, what was that? That ladder match uh, a couple of months ago. I know um, he, he should. <clears throat> but yeah, I think this was all about Thea Hale, um, and it was about Chase. You, I, I again, th- this tangent of 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 teams, uh, this just took off on a life of its own. It did the the gimmicks, um, the vignettes, the little backstage, the classroom stuff. You know, her just coming out of high school, literally, and, you know, pledging to chase you. And people are like, wait a minute, it's not even a real university. Well, yes, it is. I I, I attend it. I I just think it was really well done. And I think the story is for eventually chase you to win the tag team titles. It'd be great, too. It'd be really, really fun to see them win the tag titles. I like any and everything about it. This is old 1980s gimmick, but with guys that can and, and gals that can wrestle, as opposed to a lot of these gimmicks. In the 80s, the WWF stuff. They had to put them on you because you couldn't wrestle. Yeah, they couldn't wrestle, right? (laughs) Yeah, that was the the whole Pat Patterson thing. Like, you know, they couldn't wrestle. You put a gimmick, put a character on them, and then they're going to go. So we had the um, uh, NXT Tag Team Championship match. Anofe and Blade versus Gallus. Gallus pick up the win. um, And... Uh, it was a solid, solid match. Following that, we had the schism family meeting, and that was interrupted by the Creed brothers, who set up a loser leaves NXT match. We know that a couple of the guys from from schism have been asking for their release for a while, so this may be a way to have them go. Who knows? Maybe they're trying to to swerve us, and and it's a way to get the Creed brothers up. But I, I continue to watch the Creed brothers, and they're they're close. They just need a little bit either either that that manager or a little more seasoning on the mic. 
But like in ring and stuff, they're ready to rock. You know, they just they've kind of been in a weird spot with with like storylines and feuds. But um, I, this is better for them. So At least they've been on them losing. So, so you think it's them losing, right? No, nah, opposed to the schism. I think I think schism's losing more. But I I mean I could see it. I I still think they want the creeds in NXT for a little while to kind of develop. Oh, yeah, a, I do too. A little I more think the gone. And the, yeah. they're going to join someone. I don't know who. Or what they're going to be involved in. There's a couple of rumors uh, floating around here, but I definitely see those guys on the main roster before Creed. Just, just, just because Creed brothers need a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but still, that's another team that's just so unique and unorthodox. I don't know how much more you want to teach them, though. Yeah, they could use a lot of, a lot of help on the mic and all that stuff, but man, they're so just. Just not your average tag team. We've talked about them week in and week out. And finally, they're, you know, we want Chase U to win the tag team titles, but we want the Creed brothers to be on there more often, too. That, yeah. That, there's been several weeks they haven't been on NXT television. So this will be an interesting match here to see who wins and who loses. We had a video about crime time. I mean, uh, Prince and, uh, and Nima. What was it? Like, I don't know about these gimmicks for these. This seems like a Vince McMahon thing. <laughs> um, this was very like I had some like real racist feeling to- undertones when I was watching this. I was like, I don't know. Well, we just saw the first vignette for these guys um, talking about playing football, but they were really leaning into like being bad guys who got kicked off the teams for for doing stuff. And I want to see a little bit more, but I was like, this was a Vince. This was like a Vince gimmick here. This was like uh, I'm going down to the studio. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know what to think of this one. The there's there's starting to be something there with the Heritage Cup matches. I think oh, the yeah. crowd this, this was a, this was a fun one. This was I think the best one they've had from a Heritage Cup match so far. The the fans are starting to understand these matches a little bit more because the rules are different. I think at the beginning when you see somebody get pinned and the match keeps going, you're like what the hell? Like people aren't used to it. And now they're starting to understand the rules a little bit and you know nathan frazier they're building him like a really solid baby face i like his theme song too it's good his, his entrance oh, yeah. music yeah, yeah, yeah. the match um, was, was great man i i'm enjoying this i think axiom think he wants the the next opportunity so that'll be a good match too i mean we got a lot of little things going well too we saw eddie thorpe trading with gable steveson we got to look at uh some clips of nxt of raw underground from uh, <laughs> which is great, and so we'll be having that next week. Um, we checked in with Wesley Mustafa and with Tyler Bate. They're continuing to build a match, and which will eventually end up with a triple threat. There again, that's positive. We like what we saw last week with with Von Wagner and with Stone, and they just checked in briefly with him, and now it's like they could go a lot of ways with this. Could they even end up having? Wagner and Stone in a tag team That might be fun If he was the big guy and Stone's the like You know the guy that gets beat up all the time And then you get the hot tag to Vaughn I just (laughs) Lots of little things that just seem positive Right now on NXT But Stax man Oh that Come on Stax Stax He was in prison And uh, Stax Is now the dawn of the family Stacks screwed over Tony D 
Tony can't believe it. So this will lead to uh, Tony versus Stax. But we thought so. And then they kind of threw us off the set for a week or two, Coop. And we weren't sure about it. But now Stax and Tony D. Um, yeah, like lots of, lots of little things. JC, uh, we saw JC Jane talking to Lyra. Um, that'll set something up with them. Gigi Hell, they, even picked- put, they even put Rhea Ripley in a cameo. Yeah, for, Gigi for picked second. up a win. Too, yeah, uh, he, he picks up a win. I didn't really like what happens after the match, but uh, it was it, it was good to see Gigi win. It was, you know, I, I you know the paint and all that stuff. I I don't know. I didn't get into that, but it, it's good to see Gigi get a win. Yeah, they've they've sort of lost a little momentum with her character after yeah, she was sure. in a really good spot. So coming up next week, Creed Brothers versus the Dyad. Loser leaves NXT. Mustafa versus Tyler Bate. Roxanne Perez versus Blair Davenport. And NXT Underground, Eddie Thorpe versus Damon Kemp. We already spoke about that main event match where Carmelo got the win over the uh, Barry wolf. Corbin, the lone wolf, who looked now, what, very what good you, in this match. What did you think about the end with Braun Breaker knocking on uh, Shawn Michaels' door? It's yeah, just- he said no one can stop him. Is is he going after the championship here again? Or is he just going to wreck havoc until they, they get rid of him and he goes to the main roster? What do you, I what think, do you think maybe that's what they do. Him? Like maybe he gets really upset because Michael says, hey, look, you had your chance against Carmelo. He beat you. And he goes and like tries to mess stuff up. And then they suspend him and they write or like he says, you know, you're, you're out of here. And they write him off and he can show back up after SummerSlam. You know, maybe, okay. maybe that's something that happens. Because like we said, I don't know. I don't know if you want him on NXT continuing to lose. No, you right? can't. Yeah. Like, especially because this new. Carmelo dropping that belt. No, and you don't want Braun losing with this new character that he has. It's very good. We like this character, you know? So, um, NXT this week, another good uh, addition. I'm going to just run through a couple of the things that happened on uh, Forbidden Door, and then we can talk okay. all about AEW, Dynamite Collision, some stuff here in the, the final segment. So, they ended up having 14 matches on the card <laughs> overall on Forbidden Door. And the in-ring product is very good, as you expected. The issue was, by the time they hit the Osprey Omega match, which went 40 minutes and was fantastic and is going to be one of the matches of the year, no doubt about it, as good of a match as you'll see. Those two guys do some scary stuff, though. Like, there's one bump where the Tiger Driver that lands right on Kenny's neck to where it's like I don't I don't know if you need to do that but awesome like if you're looking at this show and you're going to go watch a couple matches from it the Osprey Omega match definitely won Orange Cassidy, Saber Jr., Shibata, Daniel Garcia that was pretty fun. There's a four-way match. Um I enjoyed that. And then the Elite Blackpool Combat Club that was that was pretty fun. Those would be the ones that like really stood out to me. Um you know, Tanahashi, MJF wasn't much. Punk Kojima was probably better than I expected it to be. Sonata Jungle Boy was more about leading to the Jungle Boy turn, which we'll talk about after. And um, and then, unfortunately, Brian Danielson gets hurt in the main event, Coop. And when you and I were talking about it, we said it, it sort of felt like the ending was a little bit flat. Like they almost had another, you know, yeah. section of the match to go into. And then we find out afterwards that Brian Danielson's got a broken arm. So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And, and it might be, and it could be worse than I think 
Bree yeah. tweeted something out. <clears throat> you know, I, I I won't get too much into this card because it was it's a lot to dissect. As you mentioned, we got 14 matches. It's too long, um, though. <clears throat> Adam Cole was was taken out because he was sick. Yeah, I think I, I regardless how good the main was, I think the crowd was flat because the show they felt was like too the long. main was Osprey Omega. And, and that Kenny felt Omega. like and when I did it, too, and me I too. did too. I the did way too. it was booked, the way that those two guys have a story together, and I think, I think there just is something to this crowd knows Osprey more than they know Okada. Because Osprey's been around more, cut more promos, and has interacted more with this crowd than Okada has. So they have a reason to know Okada a little bit more. Um, I thought that might have been the only wrong decision in that I don't know if it would have mattered more because the length of the show still was going to hurt. But it did feel like that was the main event, right? And I think getting the way that match was booked, like I don't know how you could – you could know that match was coming and think you could put anything on after it. Right. That, like, that's, and that's a good point too. That That's a good point too. And, and I, I, for, I didn't keep track, but, but I, I think AEW won what all, but one or two of those matches. Yeah. MJF, yep. CM Punk, Orange Cassidy, Sonata won, but he won to keep his IWGP heavyweight championship. The elite win, Tony storm wins. Osprey wins to get his U S title back. And then you had Sting, Darby, and Naito, and then uh, Brian Danielson beats Okada. So I think they had two, yeah, two winners, both of them just keeping their own belts or getting their own belts back in the uh, the Osprey case. But just great in ring. But it, but you know, AW still a new company. They're learning some things, and what they found out was, you know, they it's hard when you go to the same place over and over, right? They're finding this out with selling the tickets, like. They've been going to Chicago a lot and leaning on Chicago, and then they went to a lot of smaller like towns in Canada that they were they were they've been back to that location a few different times. So a lot of those people have been to a show a month or two ago and didn't necessarily feel like they had to go to some of these shows. This one was was good again, top sure. to bottom, really solid in ring, a little too long for my taste, a little too many matches, but. Some stuff really stood out. What where they got hurt this weekend though, Coop was the collision number for Saturday night. Ooh. It already took a dive from nearly like, half, almost half, like the mid eight hundred thousands to five hundred, and you know big losses in the demo. And what I noticed was they didn't even promote CM Punk at all for this week, did they? On collision, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you noticed that too because he's not in. Involved in one of the matches that they've announced And they In order to sell the tickets He was promoted for all of the collisions Like the early collisions Because he was what they were using to sell tickets You're gonna see CM Punk Either wrestling or on the mic Now this doesn't mean that we're not Going to see him but why the hell Wouldn't you promote him On Dynamite Just either having a match Having a cutting a promo you CM Punk's going to be there when you already lost that many viewers from the first week. We talked about it at the end of Collision. I was nervous because on the first week at the end of Collision, they weren't promote, promoting anything for the next week on Collision. No, they weren't. It was Rampage. And this week's Collision, I think that the headliner is 
They're going to have some of the Owen Hart tournament matches. I think three of them. Statlander's defending her title against Lady Paul. And- not to interrupt, but yeah. Collision is being taped early this week, too. Ooh. It's not live, remember? It's being taped today. So you and I are recording on Thursday morning. Ooh. It is being taped today. Well, um, you talk about a number that won't do well. Maybe that's why Punk is not going to be on this one. Because it might be a tape delayed, and they're already... But but that is so weird if it's three weeks into it, and you're already doing this, because... If, if the, so let, it's 500... Plus, this past Saturday, this week it's taped. How much does it digress even further? Or does it stay the same, about the same? Gosh, I mean, oh no, it's going down. This it's uh, it's four fifty. So do you think it's rampages, three hundreds, four hundreds? I think it's going to settle around there when football season comes. I think rampage last week was like two hundred and something. They they bottomed out. Man, because. You have to treat it like a big deal for us to feel like it's a big deal. Well, Otherwise, MJF is on this one. So that so there's MJF is wrestling, um, but you know it's funny. It's probably going to be a squash because they didn't even announce an opponent. Right, right. And then you have three Owen Hart matches, which are pretty good. Starts Juice, Dustin, Powerhouse, okay, and Roderick and Samoa Joe. But okay, of yeah, one so of those three, you know that that but, those aren't bad. But are those? But if and, and you're right. Winners, like I have no problem with that as a as show as like an episode of Dynamite. You know, like that would be fine. But <laughs> are those going to draw a bunch of eyeballs? Right? Because right now that's what's important for them. And like we said last week on Saturday night, there was College World Series. That was it. There was nothing else. There was no big UFC. It was like a small event. There wasn't a WWE pay per view. There's no big sporting events. It's just baseball going on right now. And that was a weekend where you felt like you should have done a little bit better. But I think maybe because there was stuff on Wednesday, Friday, a big show on Sunday. Like I told you, no joke, as of Saturday. And then I went back and threw it on yesterday when I was, I told you I did like a marathon. I caught up with a few things. But like on Saturday, I forgot about Collision. Already, yeah. week two. Like, I forgot it was on. I was doing a bunch of stuff, and, like, then I saw people on Twitter tweet a few things. I was like, oh, my gosh, Collision was on. I bet there were a lot of people that were like that. You just sort of – you got to be smacked over the head with stuff at the beginning, right? You got to you got to annoy people with how much you remind them about things. And that's one thing that people get mad at the WWE for doing, but we don't forget because we don't forget their times we don't forget when things start we don't forget a lot of the stories because they remind us over and over a couple couple quick hits from dynamite um moxie's bleeding right away again so that's, uh, <laughs> against ishi and then renee was yelling at him so i wonder yes, where this is going this is going another thing that's weird about this they're setting up a match but eddie kingston is in the g1 in new japan which starts in like two weeks. So they're like building to an Eddie Kingston Claudio match, but Eddie Kingston wrestles, I think, on July the 16th in Japan. And then the Ring of Honor show is like July the 19th. And then there's a Blood and Guts match that's supposed to be right around there too. On a like Saturday, or it's a, uh, it's not a pay per view though, right? No, it's just no. A, it's a dynamite. It was one of those, um, whatever I, I they used to call it. 
Grand Slam? Is that what it is? Or one? Yeah, yeah it's something the, like that. I don't know. It, I just don't know, and I don't know exactly what the what his schedule is. But it's to me, it doesn't seem feasible that he's going to be back and forth involved in these things. So I'm kind of curious if they have a blood and guts match. Is he involved? Danielson's hurt. What about Omega? Not sure with him, but uh, but they're bringing Renee. In the mix. I'm, I'm kind of curious because I've always liked Renee, but I mean, Renee's father, not John. get in the ring here. Um, curious to see where this goes. What do you now, think about the blind eliminator tournament? Gino? I hate, I hate these things. I, I hate, hate them. This no was, sense. They did this at Survivor or Survivor Series 1995. They did a, a wild card tag team match where like. Shawn Michaels and Brett, <laughs> British Bulldog and Ahmed Johnson were on a team together. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson. It was like it was so bizarre. Um, and I, okay, MJF and Adam Cole are going to be entertaining, right? But I don't like this storyline for two people that are going to be facing each other for the title. If you don't have two guys in a story. Like, if they were just a tag team or you didn't really have a whole lot for MJF and Cole and you threw them together, I would love this. I would love it. But the fact that we know it's going to lead to another title match sort of bothers me because this is exactly what we get mad at WWE for doing. The can they coexist? The well, will you called they... it last Friday. Or last I did. Week, you called I... it. Um, but, but. The, the, like again, so overall, I don't like the premise of this. I do think these two guys are talented enough to where a lot of the segments are going to be entertaining. I just think it's sort of like a lazy crutch way of building to a match. And we see WWE do it all the time. And we've seen MJF have sort of a similar thing with, um, with Jericho and then with Sammy Guevara not that long ago. But, but, I did like the "We're better than you, Bay Bay" shirt. I, yeah. I that was pretty yeah. good. That was pretty good. And then what did Adam Cole say? He was talking to Roderick, and he said he was talking. He said something, and he's like, "Dude, you you know you can't say that. He's gonna hear you." It's like, no, MJF doesn't watch the show. You know he doesn't <laughs> watch. And then what did what did MJF call Roderick? Hey, generic white guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's like there's things that are entertaining that, because are. those guys are, are funny, but yeah. I don't. I don't like I just don't like this as a as a premise. And I actually didn't we even talked about it. I didn't mind with the draw. I thought they did a pretty good job with how they with how they pulled that draw off and still making Adam Cole feel strong. But yeah, I'm, I I'll I mean I'll laugh at a lot of this stuff, but I just wish that they maybe could have found a, a different way to get there. Um uh we're, we'll finish up in the next minute or so, Coop, but Keith Lee, no more gray hair and he shaved. So Ooh, now brother. Now he got rid of all the uh, all the look there. That was just a weird trios match: Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, and Vikingo. And it they was, go, it was, yeah, and it wasn't good. It wasn't. No. It wasn't very good. The ending was awful. Keith Lee knows better than to no sell. Something. The chant. The fans even chanted, "You effed up." Yes. Yes. There was a slip there, and there were a couple things that really didn't make sense at all. Kind of weird. Um, well, you're trying to kill Sting. <laughs> and then yeah we had a we had a hangman in the bucks match that went 14 minutes the match was fine but it was weird because it felt like they could have built up a little bit more to them versus the dark order and yeah yeah, yeah. something just kind of was missing there um two other things i wanted to hit on jungle boy 
no longer Jungle yeah. Boy. He, he, you know, it wasn't perfect, his heel promo, but I think there was enough little things there where I could see him being just a way better heel than he was as a baby face. Like, to me, he was a baby face by look and by how he wrestled in the ring, but he didn't cut baby face promos, and he wasn't like... You know, I think he's going to be a better smarmy heel. Even when he put the glasses on, he grew the little stubble out. He can just be like Dylan McKay, like his dad was, <laughs> right? He should just like rock. He should come out no more with his music, with the pink pit shirt. I thought this was pretty good for him. And Hook chases him down. And yeah. and then he calls he talks shit to Taz too. So I'm talking to you, Taz. And uh I don't know what it, it's like I see some things here. And this is what I was saying. Yeah, I have no I problem with it at all. Be, I could see this guy being like a Dominic in a few in like a month or two where yes. he yes. just gets the shit boot out of him everywhere he goes, you know, all over the place. Cause AEW doesn't like to boo people that much, but I think they're gonna want to start to boo him. Um Shout out to Ruby Soho. I thought she cut a pretty good promo. I thought that was like one of her better promos since coming in. And maybe let's get her uh, a chance to talk a little bit more. But man, Sting. Oh my God, dude. Are they trying to kill him? What are we doing here with this guy, Sting? Like like Sting, Hall of Famer. Sting came back to WWE. He had a match with Seth Rollins. And uh, he got hurt in that match. And Sting has had back problems, neck problems. But I don't know why... He's he's felt like he's needed to do this. His, this character over the last six months to a year has been like crazy guy who like wants to do a big spot. And I have no problem with the jumping off the balcony when he doesn't really jump. You know what I mean? Like he just sort of takes a step and falls into a big group of guys like safe spot. This spot they did on Wednesday was ridiculous, was absurd. I was watching it live. I could not believe it. Like, I thought it was a joke. I kept waiting for somebody to come up and step up in the middle. They made it as hard as possible for this guy. He literally had to leap, and he didn't make it. He barely got to the first table, and he hits his mouth and busts his mouth open. And then after the show, he even cut a promo talking about how his teeth are loose, and he's going to have to get some stitches in his mouth. And Chad, he is very lucky. Because if you can think about what would have happened if when your mouth lands, think about if you landed three inches the other way or three inches the other way, and you land right in the middle of your throat or right in the middle of your forehead, like on your temple, people could die. I mean, there there are le- – and I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. We watch this stuff, and we, we you know, we – um. We understand what's going to happen in a lot of it, but there are podcasts and shows I listened to last night. I was curious what they were going to think that are AEW fans that never say a bad word about AEW, and they were really uncomfortable with this, and they were scared afterwards, and they said, I don't watch Sting doing this and really get excited anymore. I get nervous. When did he ever do that, though? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Maybe once? I know, like, I, it's more of like a, he's doing it now because the guys around him do it and he wants to show off kind of a thing. Fuck. And 
excuse my language. <laughs> Bleep that. I'm glad it's safe. Screw that. <laughs> it's bad, dude. No, but you can say that. No, it's it's not oh, even like man. it's. It, it was it's, really. It was. It's really uncomfortable. It's, we don't. Puzzling. We don't want to see somebody get hurt. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. There. It's, it's not. not. It's not. It's not. There's no, there's no payoff to see someone that's that's nearly 60 years old do something like that. It, even at 40, people should not be doing that. I, I just no. never got off to that. Sorry. We don't like it when Sammy Guevara and young guys do some of these spots that are a little too unsafe. This one scared me. Hey, Sammy really. brought his signs back, by the way. That gimmick, the, the old sign gimmick as they go to commercial. It's picture in picture. I don't know if you caught that. That's back. So, uh, Coop. Chad, that was big not week, a great man. man that week. was a big week. That was not a great way to end. It made me scared. It made me nervous. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I will say overall, I like the pacing of the AEW show a lot better. It was slower. And that's it, the one thing that we complained about, right? Yep. Is the execution of the show, and it that has gotten a lot better. It I has, think because I, of Collision, right? They'll have a little more time to do separate things on different shows, and we won't have everything jammed in. That should help moving forward. Point. And moving forward, we'll be talking next week about who are the Money in the Bank winners. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen for the future of WWE. Chad, I hope that next week when we talk and we open this show, you and I are just, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you something. 90 minutes of you and I going back and forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over and over. <laughs> Let us hope, my friend. Thank you so much, buddy. You for bad, another man. great week. You you have an awesome weekend. Go give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. And we'll talk to you again next week, buddy. Have a happy Fourth of July, uh, Gino. We'll see you next week. You too, my friend. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to Chad next week. And that's going to do it for this week in wrestling for this episode of that's what g said a big thank you to chad for helping us out as he always does barry helped us out with the ellis park races for saturday matt desantis talking some saturday woodbine with us and uh, next week eric will likely join the party and probably tim getting back here talking some secret invasion thanks so much to everyone for tuning in good luck with all of your plays this week any wagers that you might have and we'll be back here again next week for more that's what g said